Cool. So now we're going to um, go look at our rankings of the 52 films that us four gentlemen have seen together over the course of this tumultuous 2020. The most tumultuous. So we will start at our lowest ranked film. This is great for any viewers who are currently watching. This is great for you to see everything that we've ranked. You're going to see our personal rankings. At the same time, you're going to see our mean average rankings. This is a great opportunity for you, the viewer, to see what you might want to watch. You're sick of Netflix. You're sick of uh, Marvel movies like me. This is an opportunity to see what movies suck and what movies are good based off of these four Pinocchio-tailed jackasses. Whenever you're no ready. quality. Huh? We know quality. We, we know, know quality. Know quality. <laughs> Here it is. Oh, all right. Oh, look at that. All right, let me Ooh, make. Uh, so I'm gonna put you guys over here so I can still see you. Fucking you phase four, man. So I put you guys at the bottom. Um, if you guys want to, <laughs> other still, I recommend doing that as well. You can put a, all four of us at the bottom. Uh huh. Maybe I'll put you. At okay. So do you guys remember this movie called Phase Four? Uh, yes. Uh, yes. The worst acting. Aaron gave it a pity five. <laughs> Pity five. Wow. Five. Oh, was he? Ant yeah. sex was. Uh, that was yeah, that was a redeeming <laughs> five quality. I think I, I think that my three point seven um, is 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 the lowest ranking on the show of all time. <laughs> I think so. I think it is. Yeah. But I like that Chris and Paul just you know followed followed mm -hmm. suit. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, Saul. Saul Bass. I'm not. He's, he's dead. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> oh, my own private Idaho. Yeah. yeah, honestly, I wish I uh, ranked that lower. I would take that 6.9 back. Yeah, see, that's an example of of rom of what I would say is romantic quality with no classic quality underneath it because all it is is just somebody trying to create interesting images with no ideas like backing them yeah it's just like sexual um and that's why i gave it a 6.9 to be honest because hey <sighs> there is a documentary in that space um oh, oh. shoot Oh, I don't know why that. Oh, it was Nashville. It was Nashville. I just <laughs> hit the title. Yeah, change that title to Nashville. My apologies. Nashville. Um, <laughs> my own private Idaho sucks so bad that we so bad. It we went twice. Back. <laughs> there is a documentary uh, akin to my own private Idaho called Streetwise, which I think is on Amazon Prime. That's worth your time. That's about seventy odd minutes in length. Um, that's a good one, and that will make you. That will wash. My own private Idaho and its intentions out of your head and um, out of your mouth. I was just gonna say that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, fucking Nashville. Though. Yeah, yeah, Nashville. Um, okay, here. so let, let me, me just while we're here, I'm just, in there, so I can go fix that. Real I can't quick believe forward. Nashville got this low. What? You can't. I mean, I didn't like the film, but I, I feel bad because it was like our one guest movie, and then it got this far down our list. Yeah, it's our third lowest film. I didn't yeah. realize that. Uh, no. Well, Chris's three point nine certainly helped that. That's um, right. But I don't I don't I do not blame Chris. This is one of my least favorite films we've seen. I mean, like I like 
Phase four ranks lower for me because it's just so badly made. But watching Nashville again, to me, sounds like, you know, I'd rather just shoot myself. Yeah, but yeah. we have that Paul there with the eight. So, like, Paul, this is one of those films where we have three people who hated it, and Paul was the one who liked it. And there's a couple of those that happened. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that's probably because Paul's smart and we're not. Uh, just, uh, I thought it was a Mercier, but yeah, it still just grabs me as a very good film. and Which is fair, you know, don't, uh, like no. you said at the end of your essay, don't uh, compromise no. your, your, you know, your position. That's it. I, I ranked uh, The Age of Innocence too high as well. Uh, yes, you did, man. Yes. I would pull my ranking down on this one because this is not a seven. Yeah. Very frustrating movie. Um this is I, this is one of the earlier movies we did. I this is from the second one, second DCS. Yeah, so I was still getting used to this ranking system, um, but it, it does not deserve a seven. But that's what's kind of cool about the show is like sometimes we react emotionally with our rankings, and then somebody's higher ranking will like bring the film kind of closer to what it deserves. Like, you know, Age of Innocence is a five point nine. That's fine by me, you know. Mm-hmm. That's like totally acceptable. Mm-hmm. And if it wasn't for that, if for your seven, Aaron, it would have been one of our lowest ranked films. Wow. Well, it is, but it would have been like Phase Four shit, you know. And that's crazy because you look at that cast. I mean, just look at those names: Daniel Day Lewis, Michelle Pfeiffer, mm-hmm. Winona. <laughs> yeah, she's good. Is this Paul's lowest ranked? Oh, five. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that was, yeah, oh was no! Lower, well, yeah. besides Phase Four, besides, besides Phase Four, yeah. So, yeah. Paul, you really did hate Ages. I yeah, I hated this movie, and which I'm surprised because it's Martin Scorsese. I thought it would grip you out of all of us. I, yeah, I think it was, but uh, kind of what your your point is. Like, I know this was sold to me in '93. I kind of know where I was. I remember. I think. Somebody I was dating had an interest in seeing this movie, and I'm like, this is a period, this is somebody trying to force feed me a period piece, you know, and I'm thinking, why don't we go read the book at your place, you know, clothing optional type of thing, um, but uh, yeah, this, yeah, no, no thanks on this one. Yeah. No thanks indeed. Fuck oh, this movie. Fuck this movie. Because yeah, it's funny, the movie right above this, uh, I was like, uh, when I was doing these rankings, I was like, Wow. We really hated the movie above this because it's just above Celine and Julie go boating. And like, oh, oh my God. God. Just puts things in perspective. Wow. Yes. That's not fair, in my opinion. I know. It's, it's that's not no. fair. No. This, this How can the Cat right in the Moon be that close to Celine and Julie go boating? I thought you'd appreciate that because I was like, this? I'm putting these in and I'm going, oh my goodness. Yeah. yeah that's not fair, Great. Alex Wolf. Yeah. I'm apologizing once again to Alex Wolf. That's okay. Yeah. Back to Celine and Julie go boating. Yeah. Again. That's on the same level as Nashville for me, where it's like, just like someone's just like pricking me with needles the whole time. Yeah. yeah. I yeah, was. Cat stand, in the Moon, you can get through. I, I'm going to stand by my ranking of the Cat in the Moon. Let me see it. Go down a little bit. 4.2. It was so, so bad. It was so boring. It's I hate Alex 4. Wolf. 4.2, dude. Uh, yes. A 4.2 is like something that like a kindergartner made. Yeah, it felt like it. Oh, man. It literally felt like, as I said in our episode, it felt like someone gave Alex Wolf money to go make a student film. There was enough in that movie 
to to evoke emotions at yeah. some points. Yeah. At some yeah, point. <laughs> yeah, that, drop. that I will not let that one go. That's not fair. I All won't right, say that. Well, that's perfectly fine. You can talk I about this one. I can't believe my movie got this low. <laughs> yeah, Aaron's 8.8 of Run Lola Run. Come on. This isn't yeah. anywhere near the cat in the moon. It uh, is. I, you're right. It's lower. It's lower. No. No. Uh, uh, this is this is a a nice piece. So what did Paul rank Cat in the Moon? Seven. I was a I was a seven seven. It was about you know. Okay, so run on the run 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 on the run is lower for for all for me for, yeah. for everyone. Yeah, I, I don't get it. I mean, perhaps it's not an eight point eight. Maybe I went a little high on there, but I do respect this as a good movie. So. Yeah, I challenge you to watch it again now that you've actually seen good movies. Okay. <laughs> I've, I've already seen Run, Lola, Run twice. Like. Speaking of terrible movies. Yes. Oh, <laughs> it's funny that they're so close to each other because they're like, they're synon- you know, like they had their like yeah. battle on the show. Yeah. yeah. And you gave it 8.4. I I think I should have ranked it higher. Yeah, I almost, love almost I mirror love images. Movie. I love El Topo. I really do. So oh. this is El Topo is Aaron's Run Lola Run, and Aaron's Run Lola Run is my El Topo. Yeah, yeah. I do not yeah. want to sit through El Topo again. <laughs> and, and Paul and I are just like fuck both of these. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that was a. Uh, yeah, yeah. That so El Topo. Day. Before we go from El Topo, I tell El Topo. For me, if we're going to go back to our essay, from to my essay a little bit, is like maybe like the romantic quality isn't so much there where like the images aren't fully actualized. They're disturbing. They're not, you know, very aesthetically pleasing. But for me, the ideas, the parts of El Topo are so deep Um and maybe they're not picked up on on the first watch, but they're so deep and so layered that I could watch that movie 10 times and pick up on new things every time. Maybe I'll have to see it with you to appreciate what I'm missing. Like, you know well, how when you watch a film with somebody that's like yeah. really knowledgeable on a certain type of movie, it actually can change your perspective on it. Well, I, I have um, a bit of a surprise uh, that oh, no. I... The 2021 is pretty much mapped out entirely. And I know that's maybe going to disappoint you guys to some degree, but I've been thinking about it a lot. And some of the weaknesses of our show is the randomness of it. And so I am taking into account everyone's taste. I'm taking into account everyone's movies that they've been pushing forth. And instead of drafting movies, I think we're going to try an experiment of, of movies being picked beforehand. And I want you guys to know that about four months into 2021, I'm going to try to get you guys into Alejandro Alex, uh, Jodorowsky one more time uh, with his film, uh, Dance Holy of Reality, Mountain? which is oh, a much okay. more approachable film. Than okay. this one. I thought you were going to throw Holy Mountain at us and I was going to fucking kill you. Well, if you guys didn't like El Topo, there's no, no way I'm throwing Holy Mountain at you. No, no, I, I, would, I would leave this show if you did that. <laughs> Okay, let's see. Speaking of leaving the show, (laughs) (laughs) Uh I wanted this movie to be so much better than it was. I really did. Yeah, you know, 6.4 is fair. 7.1 is fair. All these these are fair. Paul surprised me with his 5.9, I will say. Yeah, I I think Aaron bumped my rating post-show 
like Yu Yoshi did with The Gods Must Be Crazy. Um, you and I, you, Yoshi, and I have talked. Uh, you've sent me some links and some other things. Um, I had a, yeah, I, I'm with Chris. I thought it would, I, I was expecting a little bit more. Uh, given, you know, what Charles Lane has done, and I, I just, I don't know, this was, it missed the mark, but it, it now in review. Mark. Yeah. It definitely missed the mark. Yeah, I can was, see it being around a seven. Yeah. So I'm not like totally. That. See, that's, that's the beauty the of our show, guys. Look where it landed is 6.8. It's mm-hmm. kind of a fair score. You know, my score yeah. was only three points above that. So it's like it's kind of cool that our four subjective realities come together and it kind of balances these, these rankings out, which was why I think our website is a fair place to go to to get an accurate representation of whether or not you might enjoy a film. At deadcinemasociety.com. <laughs> Uh, vampire. I'm surprised. Vampire, yeah. Is anyone else surprised that this is as high as it is? Yes. For as as much as we shat on it, it it's it's a little high. I'm I'm like I the, I'm thinking about like when I watched it, and like I think we we gave it a lot of credit for being so advanced for the time that it was. Yes, in. that's yeah. Exactly I it. mean, yeah. it had some really cool cool shots. Uh, yeah, you're right. The coffin uh, yeah. of him in the coffin. Yeah, that was really unique, and I was just looking at that like 1932. Wow, yeah, that's true. I can so see maybe that shot right it, now. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So if you guys were to watch Vampire or Sidewalk Stories again tonight, which one would you watch? Vampire. I would watch Sidewalk Stories. Hmm. I would watch Vampire. I think. Yeah. It was a much more enjoyable watch. Oh yeah, it was. Uh, if I were going, I think back Sidewalk to- was more enjoyable. But I would watch Vampire probably for the same reasons that Paul would watch Sidewalk, which yeah. is that I might see if I missed something. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Sidewalk stories already gave me its its message. Vampire might have some things to uncover. Right. You know? I, I think Sidewalk stories was pretty. It it hit me where it was going to. But Vampire was a is a more difficult watch. But that's know? what's interesting about some of these films, right? Is that like. Cat in the Moon or Sidewalk Stories. Like, seems like it would be torturous to watch those films again because you got what they offered on the first view, right? Whereas some of these films, you know you didn't really get everything it had to offer, and so you can maybe endure another viewing of it, which is, mm-hmm. which is interesting. That's, that's an interesting, you know, uh, division uh, of... of of the types of films we're, we're, we're watching here. Right. I think the watership down is a pile of garbage. Ah, I can't believe no, you guys. Ran this this it's, is such it's a, a classic. This was a good, good. Oh, wow. 8.5 Aaron. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. Hold on. Hold on. This is, this is purely artistic. I mean, this is like one of yeah. a kind watercolors, you know, Maybe not. <laughs> you couldn't even finish the sentence without laughing at yourself. Maybe not an eight. Watercolors. Watercolors. It's okay. I've got to support Jim Broadbent in the next movie, and just so like, oh yeah. No, you know what? Go. I think uh, I think Watership Down uh, maybe deserves higher than a six point nine from me, but that's exactly where it ended up. So maybe it's actually perfect. I mean, I thought it was just a. a a beautiful film it had deep themes we we talked uh, about the societal themes as well um i just love this film 
I mean, this speaks to me on deep levels. This is not just about some some rabbits, you know. Some no, it's not. It's not. It, um, yeah. Saying about some rabbits, okay? <laughs> and that's why I got a six point nine because there was some real, you know, themes there. But I guess, you know, and Paul, who brought the film to us, only gave it one more point than I did. Um, so it, it seems like ultimately for the majority of us, it was just a bit dated and childish uh, as far as its deliverance goes, maybe. Yeah. Childish as, as bunnies bleed out and actually you got a good point there. <laughs> not a children's movie. No, definitely not. No. And yeah, Netflix went really dark. So, yes, Oh, how was the Netflix rendition of it? I like the Netflix one too. Might be nice to compare them if we want to throw it in. But it's a series, so. The next film. Michael Clay. I did not like this one. Yeah. I, yeah. And this is one I would actually bring my rating down. I think, I uh, can't remember where this was slotted, maybe DCS 7, DCS 8, but I was like, Jim Broadbent's so compelling in this movie. But there are other Mike Lee movies that we as a society should see. We should see yes. Meantime. Meantime, uh, even some of his early, his early, early stuff with our uh, actor from uh, I'm thinking of Ending of Things, who uh, uh, whose name I can't Jesse? remember. Jesse, uh, God, no, the English uh, Daddy Velvet. Uh, oh, the dad, yeah, dad, yeah. Who's his like sort of his Robert De Niro is he's his Mike and Martin Scorsese. Yeah, this one I would probably lower a bit. Um, it would probably be hovering in the high sevens for me. Hmm. Yeah, right. Chris, were you going to say that you ranked it too low? Uh, no, I think I think it's definitely deserving of of where it is. I think because I fell asleep during it, it was as boring as it could possibly be. And I, I mean, I haven't, I haven't. Besides, uh, what was that movie we just talked about? Uh, besides Vampire, uh, I, I I wouldn't change anything thus far. Okay, I'm pretty I'm pretty confident in my ranking so far. Oh, that's good. Um, yeah, I, I feel good where mine's at with Topsy as well. I think, uh, I think that it was it had its moments, but ultimately, um, I will refer to Aaron's critique of forty five years. This movie <laughs> should have been about half its length. It dragged yeah. on, and it felt masturbatorial, which a lot of these films uh, that ranked low for me. That's why they suffer is because it feels again. Um, like this is the playground of the director that he wants to invite you to. And uh, I'm just not really up for watching three hours of these mock plays develop, um, which I understand he's got like this love for theater, but uh, the story would have, it would have served the story in a much greater way if we just fucking got to the meat and potatoes a little quicker. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm hmm. Speaking of meat and potatoes, oh, <laughs> right where it should be. Uh, I disagree. That's fair. Seven two is fair. Yeah, that's fair. Because it's, it's because, a zombie movie. Because I'll admit that I might have ranked it slightly low based off of my bias, um, but an eight point three. Forget about it. Eight point. Yeah, this yeah. is not the eights for me. I, I think it breaches into that, but I mean, if our viewers want to know why I think about that, you can check out DCS 12 on YouTube now. 
Her last show, uh, Chris really got into it. Speaking oh, about things that wow. Yoshi was wrong on. Yeah, that's wow, a yeah so I'm alone in this one, guys. Yes, you right. are. Ruined eights. You literally brought it down an entire like category. Guys, you should be thanking me. If it wasn't for me, <laughs> yeah. Akira would be in our top like seven films. That was, is oh. blasphemy. Oh, boy. Blasphemy. Oh, man. Yeah, that was... Pretty ahead of its time, 1988. Well, not even that. It's it's it it holds up to this day. There is a reason why there is a 4K restoration of Akira coming out. Ooh, it's coming out. Yeah, it's coming out. They they were hoping to do it in theaters, but now they're doing a home release. Wow. It's actually yeah, pretty interesting that the two films that relate to our current pandemic are side by side: Akira and Train to Busan, both mm-hmm. Asian films, which is where the virus came from. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, oh, general should be lower than Akira and the the train yeah, of the But it was made in the future, though. Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> funny. <laughs> uh, Buster Keaton. Added it's it funny because I'm following up. I'm, these are like little breadcrumbs. I'm following up, and I'm, I can I can edit as we get to the next one. So. No, yeah. don't worry about it. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, you say, Aaron, you say it should be lower than Akira, but all three of you ranked it pretty much in the same place. Yeah, but it would have been higher than Akira if it wasn't for me. Your, your four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, for the general, I, I, I do agree with Yoshi's assessment of, yeah, it's it's definitely not a Chaplin movie. And it definitely, like, Buster Keaton and Charlie Chaplin are not on the same level at all. No, yeah. I did enjoy the hell out of this movie, though. It was cool. It was entertainment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It didn't have really deep places to go, you know, whereas Akira has some deep themes. So I, I think this one should be reversed. But yeah. Well, what are you going to do? Not, I'm future? to blame for both of those. <laughs> <laughs> and who's to blame for this? Oh, Me. Oh. <laughs> Diary. Yeah. yeah. Diary of a Country Priest. Uh, that's one of those films where like at the end, I'm like, I probably should rank this higher than a seven. You know, like I probably just wasn't in the right mood because it's Robert Brisson. But I'm going to have to reflect my experience honestly and my my experience was honestly a 7. Yeah. I mean Paul would you keep this an 8.5? Yeah, I've uh, gotten through uh, most of the book. It, it, he captured the book really well. Um yeah, I I'm I'm a sucker for his movies. I really am. I'm Yeah, that's awesome. Biased. You're really a Brisson guy. Uh yeah. You, how many books have you read from the show? I know you read the uh, I'm Thinking of Ending Things, and now I'm learning you read this right. and uh, going to read Mouchette. Wow, uh, yeah, so Paul's like kind of yeah, like, yeah, this, yeah, this was this was funny. Uh, I think it was Celine and Julie go boating. I, re- I was like. Okay, I'll give this guy. I know it's not Brisson, but it was like French cinema. I need to get deeper into this, and then I need to get a little deeper into uh, these movies and their origins. So the the books were are definitely they weren't a certainly weren't a starting point. It was the movies, of course, but I'm like, okay, I want to go back and read these books, and they're great. Mm. They're really fascinating. Paul's the kind of guy. He's like the humble warrior, where like he's behind the scenes and he knows more than any of us. He's reading the books. He's reading the reviews. <laughs> And he just like keeps his mouth shut and then just like lets out just just a little bit 
but he doesn't want to hurt anyone's feelings, so he's not going to like <laughs> bad. That's me in a nutshell right there. <laughs> All my life. That it, it's so eerie that you say that this week because that is what has surfaced twice from my past. I'm like, oh my God, you know. You know, this movie, this movie, uh, I, I was even having trouble remembering what this was about. I had to go <laughs> look at the screenshots and I was like, oh yeah, this is just not like a, a memorable movie. Like I was looking at the screenshots and I was like, I just didn't like the story. Like it didn't really stick to me. I'm surprised I even gave it a 7.3 because I don't know. Like it just yeah. didn't have impact. I agree. And I'm interested to see where I ranked Mouchette our other Robert Brisson film. Bouchette had more impact. I think Bouchette is a much better film, and I want to see where Paul ranked that as well. Yeah, yeah and I'd like to see it. where I ranked it too. Mm-hmm. So we we'll see if we get to that. Because I was at to dig through. Okay. We'll get to it. Uh, up, what's up next, Chris? Well, we have to dig through the garbage that is Fantastic Planet. Huh. I like I liked that. it, Chris. We all liked I it. It was funny. Uh, yeah. I loved this movie. They, yeah. they no. speak this film. This was great. I would like, actually get it to an Aaron eight for me. Now this one is a, this needs to be an eight. I enjoyed it. I yeah. thought it was great. Beep boop boop. This so there is. <laughs> see, like this is what, like Aaron's eight point five for Watership Down. Yeah. Like this, like this is the movie where I can concede an eight point five for an animation. Like this is a a great animated film where it's telling a deep deep story. Yes, to Chris's point, one that's done a lot, I can concede. But um, the animation feels so original, and even today, like I haven't seen much work like this at all. Um, and it was just like uh, there's so much potential there, and and we all agreed, I think, when we when we reviewed it, that it's something that should be remade, and that I'm gonna be the one who makes it. Uh, yeah. Someone recommended uh, me watching uh, Duncan Trussell's Midnight Gospel because huh. they're like, oh, it's like Fantastic Planet. And I was like, immediately, I was like, no, I want nothing to do with this thing. And then I watched it, and any episode of Midnight Gospel is better than Fantastic Planet. <laughs> well, I love Duncan Trussell. So oh, God. Oh, this low? Because Chris, of me. Chris, that's just- how can you even give this a 4.9 just based Dude, on your Yeah, I will I will agree with Aaron that is absolutely ridiculous to give this this 4.9. Yeah. I will, I will relent and I will say that it definitely doesn't deserve a 4.9. I want you to watch it again. Like you need a second watching. I feel like you were on the treadmill. I was not on the treadmill. I actually watched this in my room and was just very angry the whole time. But it could have been from outside, you know, influence. Pure love, though. This is love boxed into a film. Yeah, I don't know. It's it, from from that era of filmmaking. I think it's definitely like my least favorite. But I will give it a second watch. But if I'm going to give Chris shit, I also have to give Aaron shit because there's no way that this is a masterpiece. <laughs> Never mind a no. nine point five. What the fuck? This is as good as Cries and Whispers. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, in a different Get way. Get the fuck out of here. Magic in a bottle. Capture Gene Kelly doing this ever again. This is this is solely unique. No, I agree with you there. I agree with you there. Maybe maybe an eight somewhere in the eights, but nine point five. Nine five. Hey, I saved. I'd go as high as a six. (laughs) 
If you gave it a six, this thing would take yeah. off, man. We'd be in the eights. I don't know. Six, 14. Singing in the rain, seven, oh. five. Good. Oh, 45 years. Yeah. About 45 decades. 45. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew High, get the fuck out of here. No, yeah. no. This was a good movie. Yeah. I like this movie. It would have been so much better as a short. I, I stand by that, though. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. I, agree. I could see that. I could come down a little on this one. Yeah. Yeah, this one I've thought about. I've been thinking about this movie a, a lot. But our introduction to Charlotte Rampling, though. Mm. Ah, which we yeah. would see again. Uh, Paul, before we move on, what what about it specifically, briefly, make has stuck with you? Um, I think uh, his performance is what really st- uh, stuck for me. Um yeah, but I, I was kind of with you guys um, in that it was a little long and a bit open-ended towards the end. Um, so I think the 8.5 is a little high. This might be a, it's like more like Chris teetering on an 8 for me. Yeah. I agree. Fair. Next up, called... Ooh. This is an interesting one, guys. Yeah. I, yeah. This is a film that I loved. Mm-hmm. Um, 6.1 from Aaron. I don't understand. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I mean, I love Polanski. I do love this film, but I think that Paul and I got it right with the 8.3 because ultimately, what would you say, Paul? Was it maybe just a little bit unfounded? Like it was just not fully actualized? Right. It's This is... Uh... Yeah, I think you have the book. Did I give you Polanski's book with you know knife in the water, cul-de-sac, and I don't um, think I don't think you did. Okay. You gave yeah, me Cassavetes. Okay, because if because that is the conclusion of this movie, like ah, oh, I just want wanted something else. Um, yeah, I wanted something else as well. Because yeah. this is the movie that this is the movie somebody writes about, but they write about all the goings on behind the the, the movie and. The craziness on set and uh, Lionel Stander and it just um, and the, the gentleman who was in the car got shot like a long time British stage actor that like it what was happening behind the scenes would be even more fascinating than the movie itself. So I just thought yeah. uh, um, and some of the stunt work with the the chickens and the roosters was amazing. Like I thought for sure they got killed a few times, but uh, <laughs> holy cow, it was so good. Just great Im- if yeah. anyone's interested great imagery mm. um, and and some and some pretty funny weird moments yeah when that actor showed up again in once upon a time in the west i was immediately like this is going to be a great movie who uh the the main guy the, the guy with lionel, the, yeah. lionel with the arm lionel sander yeah who yeah. was he in once upon a time or no the, the guy the guy who talked like this yeah lionel sander lionel he was stander. blacklisted yeah. so he, he had to go to europe and get his and do work wait so. who was he in uh once upon a time in the West, he was sh- he was just a bartender. Mm-hmm. That was oh, it. Wow. He was just like a bartender. I was like, oh shit, he's in this movie, and like oh. he had such an impact. And I was like, oh shit, okay. I didn't notice that. Cheers, but, uh, Aaron. Yeah. Cheers, boys. Oh. I'm doing a um, a blend. Nice. A Lagenkugel. Yeah, I'm doing a snowdrift vanilla porter. It Gross. is fantastic. I got my Wachusa <laughs> blueberry. Huh. I can't I'm get a- the label out. Wait, hold on. It's very delicious. I have a knife. Okay. All right. Um, perfect timing for cul-de-sac. Yeah. Ginger ale. Okay. Wildlife. So, 
Yeah, I think Wild this is spot on. Yeah, I don't really have anything else to say about this movie. It, it deserves the 7.7. 7. I enjoyed the camera work. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed letting the actors do their thing. Wide shots. You know, it's interesting that wildlife and cul-de-sac are right next to each other because I think that their shortcomings are the exact same, which is that there was so much potential, but it just didn't it didn't get, satiate us in the way that we thought the film was going to. Sorry, I have to respond to the chat. Satiated me. He did, yeah. It was, it was like it's yeah. you, you you bite into a steak and you're like, oh, I just it just needs something. Yeah, not enough pepper, not enough blood. Yeah, it just something. You don't can't put your finger on it, but it just needs something. Speaking of needing something, hey Aaron, oh, how is M? I've got my ranking for yes. it. Yes. Oh, here we go. I forgot hey, all about I, Actually, I can trail you right now. One second. Yeah, so well, it's not going to update unless I update why. the web page. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, That's crazy. I didn't even know this. Oh, you guys are going to. I promise I didn't even look at this prior. Okay. Okay. Awesome. So, guys, uh, how, Chris, how should we it's, do this? He's going to give us the ranking. I'm, and should. I'm just going to do it live with a, with a calculator. Did I just say it out loud? Do it on the screen, though. Do it on the screen. Yeah, sure. What, the swift pulling? Yeah. No, he's going to update the ranking live. Well, Paul's going to update so the ranking. So currently, the movie is at a 7.8. Let's see what Aaron's ranking does to it. How do I announce it? Just tell us. And just a little context for people watching. This is from our first show, and Aaron watched the wrong movie. <laughs> yeah. What is that? I watched a 1977 slasher thriller. Oh, God. <laughs> what are you doing, Aaron? You see the number? No. Just tell us the number. Yeah, just tell us. It's a 7.8. Ooh. Wow. All right. I, wrote this okay. down. I promise I wrote it down. I never looked at the rankings that you That's guys put. hilarious. All right. Seven, so eight. Isn't that weird? 16.5. Yeah, so I had to really think about 30, this. Oh, stop, do, stop doing math. Stop. Sorry. <laughs> 8.2 plus okay. 8.3. Opposite. And what was your ranking again? 7.8. 7.8. So it's probably going to go up. Divided by yeah. four. A little bit. Uh, no, it's staying it right where it is. That's amazing. <laughs> if we ever needed confirmation that our show, wins, yeah, this that's really good. Oh my seven, god, eight. Yeah. it really stays right where wow. it needs to. Wow, amazing. amazing. So that doesn't wow. change. So, oh, Aaron, me, let um, brief, let's briefly go into M since you never got to talk about it. What was yeah. your experience? Um, it is a a deeply disturbing film. Um, but well made. I mean, I can't deny um, the camera work and the story work um, were pretty great. Um, it's just a hard subject matter. I mean, they they're talking about eight children being kidnapped and killed, and who who knows? It's kind of implied, even maybe it's raped or what. But the themes towards the end of this film are just so chilling, where you're watching this guy being judged. And he, all he can say is like, I can't help but do it. Like, I can't help yeah. myself. And it's just like, oh, my God. Like, what do you do with somebody like this? You know, do you murder them on the spot? Do you throw them in a jail cell? Do you try to rehabilitate them? Do you try to understand what happened in their life to make them think this way? Like, can this kind of person be helped? I mean, the psychology of this film brings up a lot of uh, deep questions 
of uh, how you would personally handle somebody, some monster like this, you know, somebody deeply disturbed. Um, well, some of the universities now are 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 trying trying to instill in our our children that um, pedophiles are Thank just. You very much. Oh, oh we got a beer, a beer delivery from Daddy. Hey. Thanks, Dad. That's a good yeah, day. welcome to the show, Papa Scoopy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's my dad. That's good sound. Cheers to Papa Scoopy. Hey. Yeah. Cheers, cheers. Um, but yeah, uh, pedophilia. Yeah. Yeah, and and Yoshi, I, th- I think you're really misinformed. I I I heard that talking point, and that's not what they're talking about. What do you mean? That, that teaching pedophilia is on the same level. No, no, no. I was like, going to say that. I'm saying that there are certain movements being propagated that are trying to normalize or empathize with pedophiles in the sense that they are, um, they are people with rights and that they should be, you know, understood as people who, you know, are doing something against their will because it's not something they want to be doing. And I'm all for empathizing with people. That's not, I'm not. I'm not really giving an opinion on the fact. I'm I think. Just I think you lose your peoplehood when you do anything to a child. Well, yeah, that's, that's it for me. Children <laughs> got to protect the children. All yeah. these. There's so many films that we've seen this year, and it's ultimately about the children. And when mm-hmm. when trauma and oppression happen to children, they create bad people. They create bad adults. They create hurt people. And to watch certain films where it's like, oh man, just these monsters like an M. I mean, what is what? Okay, I couldn't get that. Can you guys enlighten me? What was the M? They put it on his back. It was his marking. Murderer. Murderer. Okay. Is gotcha. that what it was? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> they wrote M on the hand and they smacked him with like chalk, and he had M. He was labeled. Yeah. Or so could, I, it be, I, could it be monster? Yeah, monster yep. murder. I think the Ger- well, I don't think the German word for monster is associated to the M. Hmm. I don't actually know it. But you know the the unraveling of this uh, was quite interesting because the the people that ended up capturing this pedophile and murderer was the mafia. And I thought that was an interesting choice because you think of like, oh, the police or investigators are going to get to the bottom of this. No, it's the mafia that are getting to the bottom of it because they get quarantined, essentially. They get on lockdown. They can't conduct their businesses. Their businesses are going to shit because of this pedophile. Mm -hmm. They're like, yo, we're lining the streets with our guys. We're going to find this mother effer and we're going to bring him down and get justice so we can start our crime again which i thought was hilarious wow there is a a, uh there is a parallel in this in recent years where (laughs) there was a a serial killer in mexico and he was found uh dead beheaded and basically disemboweled and they attributed it to the cartels made peace with one another to find the serial killer and then just delivered him to the police Right. Isn't that interesting? So there's like in the criminal world, we're dissecting this, this thing where like there is a line to be crossed in crime, like what they will allow, you know, this mafia is like, yeah, you know, we steal and do all these things. And, you know, but once you once you 
mess with a child, like you're done. Like that's yeah. not even, that's not crime. Like we will kill you, you know? And that's kind of, I've heard, not that I've been to prison, but I've heard the prison system when somebody comes in for like multiple crimes against children, like they have, they have to have extra protection because they will be killed in jail. Because they're a chomo. A chomo. Okay. Yeah, there's, a, there's a wild movie, Short Eyes, that you might uh, you might enjoy. Short Eyes. Moving on. Go All on, right. Paul. Hold on. Go on, Paul. Oh. Short Eyes. Yeah, Short Eyes. Uh, yeah, it's uh, trying to bear with me for a sec because I can't remember. I, I'm confusing uh, uh, confusing it with. Uh, yeah, it was a '77 film. Um, it was a play, actually. Um, by Miguel Pinheiro, and they uh, made a movie out of it. Um, okay, while well, Paul finds that, Chris, go ahead. Moving on, we are going on to the court jester. Oh, such a oh, I loved this movie. Yeah. This movie. Go ahead, was Paul. Great. Go ahead, yeah. Paul. No, no. Uh, on short eyes, uh, short yeah, short eyes. Seventy seven movie, nineteen seventy seven movie that deals with that subject matter. Um, won a few awards. Just something I, I don't know if you can find it. I'm sure you can. Yeah, Robert it. Robert Young is the yeah. director. Yeah. Oh, cool. Cool. Yeah. Court jester, guys. Man, the porter with the pestle is the poison the pellet. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> such a great scene. Please. Yeah, Chris can attest. I had so much fun watching this movie. Yeah. This is one of the few films we watched together. Yeah, uh, Yoshi. To your point, your rating here really opened my mind a little bit. I think probably going in the way you've presented Dead Cinema Society, you know, we're going to be these uh, hip slick artists. Um, <laughs> for you to have some fun with this movie really opened my mind up a little bit because I was having fun with this movie, and probably this is a movie that I think it came on early. I thought. Oh God! I would definitely like this. Is a movie I would rank higher. This actually, I would. I, it's funny because I, I always call it my rainy Sunday afternoon movie. Like this, I would now watch before Stalag Seventeen and some of the other movies that I've always considered like Sunday staples. But this one really grabbed me, um, and the the process that we went through as a group with this, and for you to rank it as as highly as you did, really, I said, okay, Paul, relax. And just start to share how you really feel about a movie. Paul, you really always do this to me. You you give us these words and these phrases that like really I want to integrate in my whole life. Sunday staples could be like a shoot off of this podcast. Yeah. Where it's like those type of movies that you just like put on a Sunday, you just enjoy them, you just get well, ready we for your do week. a month. We could do uh, a, a show that's Sunday Staples. Sunday staples. And we go to Staples, we get, you know. No. Well, see, and you guys are all, you know, four seasons, right? Aaron, I don't know if Aaron, well, Aaron was in New York, so he's cycled through some seasons. But it was just like, oh, it's raining outside. Mm, what, do you, what are we going to do? Um, this is you, my singing in the rain uh, for, for Aaron. Like I was going to bring this up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, these movies, these movies should be, I mean, essentially side by side because they're very similar. You guys personally put Court Jester above singing in the rain. Because singing yeah. in the rain is quite lower than the court jester. Yep. Much lower, yeah. And and I and I would maintain that. Let's see. And you can refresh, Chris. Really These well, should be updated. It, well, <laughs> it's well, unranked. Oops. Yeah. Hold on. Yeah. Just Let me refresh a, the page. Give it a refresh. We, no. Stop. <laughs> Don't show that. <laughs> yeah. That's oh, the show. Oh. There you go. M's on there. Good. All right. We're good. Um, oh, look at that. Perfect. 
But where are we at? Just go back. Yeah, yeah. yeah oh, it's only two points lower. lower. That's not. I, I consider that in the range. Yeah, yeah I, think I think it would have been higher if Chris actually gave it a fair rating. You're right. You I know? think that they would be. They would. They should be. Uh, go back right to next to each other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would say that Singing in the Rain deserves a solid eight. Um, and I would say the court jester also deserves a solid eight. So yeah. I would put them neck and neck. I agree with Aaron. Yeah. They're very similar movies. So, which yeah. I'm noticing. Uh, court now. jester I, for I, me is it, for 1955. I laughed so much. Yeah. And was so amazed by, uh, What's our friend here's name? Danny K. Uh, Danny K. Danny K's uh, charismatic ability to capture the camera. And I mean, all of the scenarios that he and these two directors came up with um, were so inventive yeah. and like hilarious. And like, yeah, man, like I would watch of all the films we've talked about so far. I would watch this one again and enjoy it probably more than I did yeah. the first time. Yeah. The yeah, old man seems Kelly, Gene Kelly steals the show, man. I'm so sorry that I have to piss. Continue. Don't get too far ahead. I'll be Go right on. back. Do your piss. That's all right. Do your piss. <laughs> I always watch you at Blueberry. I just personally think uh Gene Gene Kelly is is a higher level. I mean, I think they're both incredible, but I every time Gene Kelly is gonna take it over what is it he did something else besides singing in the rain that's like what he's renowned for uh gene kelly yeah yeah let me click on him i got imdb open because like i mean i i give a lot of shit to singing in the rain because it's just like it's so old hollywood and so like you know we're gonna make a movie we're gonna drink during lunch we're gonna come back we're gonna get out before four you know i'm gonna go home and beat my wife you know typical 50s stuff um Um. But like, I don't know, man, like I, I so I, I actually went on a Danny K binge and I watched a couple episodes of the Danny K show now streaming on Amazon Prime. If you guys are interested. Oh, ah, OK. But, That's um, good to know. Yeah. He is such a tour de force of personality that I, I honestly would compare him. He is the Robert Robin Williams of that time. Like he has that uh, much charisma to just like draw you in. And like, even if he's just standing, you look at him. Like, but to de- yeah, you're right. But to Gene defend Kelly. to defend Aaron's Gene Kelly argument, um, you're wrong in the sense that it's old Hollywood because it was making fun of old Hollywood during old Hollywood, which yeah. for me is very impressive. And it was even earlier. It was 19, uh, 1952 is Singing in the Rain. Yeah, so the very beginnings of old Hollywood. Really. Well, Three years before this film. And I would bet that Danny was inspired by singing in the rain. He was because the Gene Kelly show Danny Kay was on and the Danny oh. Kay show Gene Kelly was on. Oh, they wow. Were friends. They, they were, were friends. Three, these Jet films Sip- deserve to be neck and neck. Yeah. I'll they should have made a dancing film together. Hey. Anyone listening, if you want a good Christmas movie with the family, this has nothing to do with Christmas, but it's very enjoyable. I highly recommend The Court Jester. And singing in the rain. And singing in the rain. Both of them, honestly, both of them are perfect holiday movies. Yeah, they're joyful. <coughs> All right, Chris. Yes, they do I'm dance done. to each other. Uh, on the Ani Danny K show, they had a dance off, apparently. We should wow. watch that. Stalag oh. 17. From our last show. That one seems a little high. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't disagree. I actually uh, revisited this one. No? It's all I- good. 
It's all. It's funny. Oh it was Chris God. bringing Train to Busan and him giving it an eight, and I was like, "Yeah, Stalag sort of lost its luster." And I was looking because I'm doing these rankings. I'm like, "Wow, I would have ranked that much higher." Oh yeah, I would rank that much lower. So this one is. It's still going to be... Zaddies. Like, zaddies, zaddies, zaddies. I'll give it an eight. I'll give it an eight. I'll give it an eight. That's what I'll do. I'll, I'll be right there with Chris. Zaddies, yeah. zaddies. I, I have to agree. 8.9 borderline masterpiece. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. no. I mean, it's funny. It's fun. I actually would watch it again. But I might but just the word masterpiece, right? That doesn't. No. Yeah, but that's a thing. There's, it's nostalgia. A little projection caught me here, and yeah, I was like, oh yeah, because this one. Like, yeah, yeah, it the, happens to the best of us. It's I I, I it, it it just made me want to watch The Great Escape, honestly. Yeah, it really did. Uh, but again, it's it's just funny how it works with the show because look, Chris gave it a seven nine, and it ended up being a seven nine. It's right. like it kind of yeah. just works. Yep. I'm interested to see, and I might do this on my own, of like how who is the closest. So like of the like group ranking, you know, you get ne- you know negative points for going in any direction. Who is the closest to the true ranking? I think it would be mm-hmm. interesting to find out. That would be very interesting, and I wish we had done that for the Swift Polling Awards. Yeah, me too, um, <laughs> but we didn't. But <laughs> uh, this year. film sticks with me to this day. Yeah. Oh. Sticks with me to this day because, and I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it to Yoshi in a minute. But like this film is a proto chosen. Oh, um, you haven't seen the chosen? I've seen a couple episodes. Oh, have you? I've watched them with my grandfather. Really? Who, who is a huge, huge fan of the chosen? Of the chosen. Oh, nice. That makes me so happy. Yeah. So this this he literally embodies christ through this entire thing and like it this movie is just the world shitting on him because of it and i like that's interesting yeah go ahead no it's i want to i wanted to watch more louis Bunuel, but like after that short film that we watched uh what was it called the one where he did with salvador dali i was i was done I was like, no, <laughs> never again. Go fuck yourself. Well, you know what? I would be interesting to give him one more try because yeah. Mazarin, um, again, it's like there's little, there's tastes of something really magnificent going on there. Yeah. But also there's kind of like, you know, a drag to it. It is interesting, though, if we're going to take um, Nazarin character as Jesus, it is an interesting way to depict depict the the archetype of someone who's giving everything up for the world around him 100% keep going and and how and how the actual persona of that archetype would look which is this kind of like depressive saddened person yes. whereas the chosen we're choosing not we they have chosen to depict Jesus as this more like, well, you know, I, I can't say too much because I know what's happening in season two and no one else does. There are, we are exploring Jesus's um, in season two, him having to deal with these real repercussions of giving himself up. Mm. This is a real fear that he has to face. And we are exploring those themes, but Nazarene really you know, only explore that. Whereas the chosen tried to explore the sides of Jesus that was still able to have a celebratory, like positive 
you know, for the children type persona. So let me say this. There, there, is, there is the thought of uh, complete understanding and transcendence that happens with, with these kind of figures. Uh, you look at the Buddha, and the, the Buddha is always depicted as having closed eyes, and he is smiling or lit, lids down like halfway as if he's almost asleep. And that is because he feels, being a person who is enlightened, he feels the pain <sighs> of the world. Bless you, Angel. Uh, he feels the pain and the suffering of the world, and he smiles because that is the, the essence of complete compassion, to feel and to absorb the pain of humanity and to still be positive. Nazarene, the main character, is someone who is beaten down by ultimate compassion. Which is why I would argue that he's not Jesus in the movie, yeah. because he's he's he, he is, is the Nazarene trying. Yeah, he's trying to affect the Jesus lifestyle. He's yep. trying to become like God, but he is not. He is a mortal being who is suffering in his pursuit of this Jesus-like lifestyle. Anyway. Well, clearly, this movie is worth seeing if you just yeah, start conversation yeah. from it. I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, and also, celery alcohol. Celery alcohol. They get drunk off of celery like hooch in the beginning. Well, that's not as bad as what our number one <laughs> film uh, characters oh, yeah. have to get drunk off Oof. of, which we will get to. Oh, juicy madre. Chris, for some reason in my mind, you loved this movie, but you didn't. I love the idea of this movie. It was a very, it was a very kind of like, you know, you, you meet someone for the first time. And you're like, oh, it wouldn't be great to like have a life with them and like be with them. And then you go back to their house and it's disgusting. <laughs> um, there, there's Chris, a ring around the bathtub. You, does it deserve a, a masterpiece ranking? No. I didn't give it that. Paul did. I know. That's why I'm asking you. I don't think it does, but like Paul has a reason. Yep. Yep. No, I, uh, this one, if anything, maybe I knock off two tenths of a point, but it's still, it's still a masterpiece. Yeah. For me. Yeah. This one, um, for the, it was interesting because I was using the topsy turvy construct coming into this, uh, with, uh, Walter Houston's character. And I thought, uh, he was so strong. I loved Bogey in this. I loved the supporting performers. I just, I loved everything about it. The story, I loved the beginning, middle, and end. Um, it did it for me. Um, so this is one I would hold on where some of these other black and whites, we've had a discussion about, like just because it's black and white, old-timey movie doesn't mean mm -hmm. it's, it necessarily uh, gets an eight or more, but this is one I would hold to a, a, like a nine at worst on this. Yeah, yeah. We, we, sorry, go ahead, Aaron. Oh no! I'm. I, I just rather enjoyed this movie. I thought it was a terrific adventure film. The interplay between the three guys—Humphrey Bogart, Tim Holt, Walter Houston—yeah, uh, Walter Houston. Like they just had, they had the chemistry. Like that's the dream cast. You know, mm. whatever, 60, 70 years ago. They did. Um, it just was an exciting film, and it also really. Uh, it. it, it it dove deep into those themes of greed and what happens when, you know, it's like a communal effort to do this thing. And then suddenly the riches get real and suddenly everyone's true colors show. 
and uh, just the end of the film, you know? It, Jesus <laughs> Christ. Holy crap. Up. Yeah. The Mike voice of God. The hunter has Your voice just got like six decibels higher. I did? Yeah, for like yeah, a second. Weird. I don't know what happened. happened. Weird. You're good. Uh, good now. You're good. I thought I was in the same place. I Am I good? Know. Yeah, you're, you're good. good. Oh, Aaron, sorry. let me ask you this. Who would you cast in this movie now? Oh, that's a great question, Chris. Wow. Um, wow. Oh my it's, a, it's a difficult question. I'll admit that. Let's all try to do it together here. Humphrey, yeah, you... Humphrey Bogart, maybe uh, Nicholas Cage. Nope. That's no, but you're great. no, but I like no, I like your inner no, uh, because like I'm a big that. Mandy guy. Oh, I love Mandy. Um, I love the Nicolas Cage for that. Man. Yeah, hey. actually, you're right. Now, if if he could like get the manicness of, of yeah. his character, yeah, just of like, course, that's what he's good at. Oh yeah, you're right. Kind of. Okay, so for for the uh, for the wise older guy, Nick Nolte. Yeah, it could be Nolte. Uh, <laughs> needs, but he needs to have like Paul Giamatti's. Uh, I want his uh, that his eccentricity. There needs to be a wisdom. Bear with me. Uh, yeah, I think Nolte's got the wisdom. Who else has got the wisdom? Yeah, Nick Nolte kind of looks like that vibe. I, I don't even know. Hmm. Maybe uh, Anthony Hopkins. No, no he'd be Anthony's too creepy. Too, Anthony's too nimble. It needs to be like a yeah. tough, you know, like a tough, like yeah, like East Coaster guy. Kind of guy. I hate that I'm going to suggest this, but uh, oh fuck, what's his name? He was Thanos. Thanos. Oh, dude! I swear, I was just thinking Josh <laughs> yeah, Brolin. Josh Brolin, yeah. Josh Brolin, let's yeah, cast Josh him. Brolin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put Josh his Brolin. hair white. We're doing yeah. Josh Brolin. Yeah, Josh Brolin, and and then that's the, the, so the sim- funny, dude. I was just yeah. thinking about him. Yeah, Josh Brolin, and then uh, that's a great one. They, Have you I, seen Josh Brolin right now? He's got like the white beard with the yeah. white hair. Yeah. Perfect. And then and then yeah. hear me out on this. Hear me out on this. Chris Pratt as the lovable. Yep. Sold. Yes. Sold. Yes. Chris Pratt fucking uh, Nicholas Cage. Nicholas Cage. Cage. And Josh Brolin. Dude, who's the director? Who's the director? (laughs) We are. Wim Vendors. <laughs> ben no, who did, who did, Lodge, Lodge Lee. Come on. Yeah, Lodge, Lodge Lee. If Lodge Lee made this movie, I it would get a ten oh. out of ten for me. Yeah, we yeah, need especially especially his sensitivity yeah. to the Indian civilization. Oh my yes. god, his, like yes. his like wow. micro. And that's what was missing for me yeah. too. That's yeah, what yes. was missing. Yeah. You know, what? I will admit before we move on that a six point nine <laughs> is too low. I think this film deserves a seven two. Um, at least uh, somewhere in the low sevens. But going back to my original argument of why the film uh, ultimately failed for me is because there were parts of it that excited me to my core and it just didn't go in those directions, which again Mm. was that this film should have been about these guys being taken out of their westernized culture by the Indian culture or whatever have you, Mexican cultures, whatever it was, um, and being shown what real life looks like. And mm-hmm. we didn't get to see what real life looks like. So we, we only got to see what the Western greed looked like. And that's where the shortcomings were, which is why for me, this film is a low sevens and not a masterpiece. Hey Josh, that is the sequel. Like they need to make the sequel to this. Yeah, but they had the opportunity when when the doctor was with the Indian tribe. Like 
And, and I'm so excited for you guys to see Embrace of the Serpent, which I jumped the gun, which I watch, which is going to be on our next show. Um, because um, some of the elements of Embrace the Serpent could have been used in this film, in my, in, in my opinion. And you'll see what I mean in, in a few weeks. But um, <clears throat> yes, it could have been the sequel. And that's what you guys said on our show when we reviewed this. I think it should have been this movie. I really do. So let me say this, since I have the the degree I have, Treasure of Sierra Madre is in every screenwriting book I've ever gotten. Mm. So the screenplay, like all the writing and Mm -hmm. how the plot comes out, the story, it's a 10 out of 10, huh? No, it it is an example of how do you fix this script? Oh, how do you fix (laughs) it? Yeah. So there you go. Hmm. All right. The night yes. oh, oh fucking uh, this piece of shit. Ah, Broken ah, eat. Ah. eat it, oh my eat god. Oh my god. Well deserved. Should have been higher. God. No, no. Liliana Cavani. Yeah. I I liked I liked oh no, I thought that was the actress, but that was uh no, no, so Chris a, that was Charlotte in- Rampling. Chris, all this time has passed. Do you still think it's a five point nine? <sighs> no. Oh, I'd, I'd it give it, I'd give it sub seven, maybe like six, eight. Oh, Ooh, okay, wow. Six, that, eight. that's a major, that's a full yeah. point. That's uh, yeah. divided a full, by four. That's, full, yeah. that's an 8.3 now. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. This yeah. Is a beautiful film. Yeah. As much as I, as much as I hate this subject matter, it's beautifully shot and I get it. I get what they were going for. I want to see this one one this one again just because some of the shots. That's literally yeah. the only reason. Just because some of the shots, like that's it, wow. Yeah, yeah. Nineteen seventy four. This was just yeah incredible. And here she is. Eight point nine from Aaron. Oh, and there it is, Mouchette. Mouchette. So same. So uh, both the Brisson films got an eight point five from Paul. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, wow. so he I liked them equally. 8.5? I didn't even remember that. Wow, Aaron gave us an <laughs> eight point five. Yeah, I was surprised. I didn't remember that. Yeah, because I think you thought you were. That critical doesn't seem right. I, I remember Aaron not liking this. I, yeah, that's that's why I feel like there could be a, a problem with a ranking. So this is a good. I don't uh, remember liking this film yeah. either. But I Let's do a quick check. Yeah. <laughs> Something's wrong here because I remember Aaron having a real problem with the rape scene like he always does. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that was the only problem he had with it, though. Yeah, let me see what I have all my rankings down here. So I'll look. Okay, so yeah, we'll let's, find out. I'll, I'll find it on. I'll find the video, too, to see. Mouchette, what you actually no, see, it. I gave Mouchette a 7.3. 7.3. Uh, uh, oh, we have do some I have those? We have fake uh, yeah. votes. Fake votes, guys. Fake votes. Fake Trump. votes. Trump uh, I told you. We should have saying. never just allowed them to do fake <laughs> votes. This is one of the is, fake votes. <laughs> system. What's going on here, guys? As <laughs> as the esteemed governor of the state of Georgia, we will we will contest this. We're gonna have a well, runoff vote. I, I, yeah, I have a feeling it's, it's, that it's the possible. score under Aaron's name was wrong, but the actual mean average score might be right. Let's see what. Uh, it, no, what it's not. It, it's, it's eight. Not. It's eight point one. Eight point one. What? It's higher. It's higher. It is an eight point one. My seven. That doesn't, that doesn't make sense. If Aaron's score drops, then our mean because, average drops. No, because if it's if it was a different score than the it's entirety. Uh, 17, 24. Uh, no, Chris. 
Aaron ranked this a 7.3. Yeah, it's going to come yes, down. It's like a 32 I'm, aggregate, yeah. and it's like, yeah, about an 8. Yeah, it's all There's good. no way it can raise. You got to carry the 1 minus the 0. Because, Yoshi, you you voted it an 8.5. Ah, oh, that's what so it was. That's mixed. what it was. I knew so I probably so the math is just wrong. Ma- yeah. Oh, no, no, the, the math the isn't wrong. It's the just math. that Aaron and Yosha's scores are oh. mixed. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But, it, All but it came out. But it came no. out to an eight point zero. I and mean, then yeah. the next. I, I, I told thing Chris is, yesterday or, yeah. or whatever it was. Uh, I'm getting like three different things coming in. I'm hearing myself. What's going on? Hold on. I told Chris like yesterday, like blah 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 blah. Yeah, it was an eight point zero seven. So it is actually an 8.1. Yes. All right, so but we can change it. Bear with me. Yosh go? is an 8.5, and Aaron yep. is a 7.3. Yeah, that correct. makes much That's more right. sense. Okay. Bear with me. I was changing wondering up. why I ranked it so low, Yeah. but that makes much more sense. All right. Yep. So what's the final final? 8.1 are we 8.1, agreeing to? 8.1, yes. 8.1, okay. All right. Okay. Hang on. Higher than 9.4. Yeah, I, it, it is definitely deserving of that of that ranking, though. An eight point yeah. one. It's, 8.1, it's it yeah. of the of the Bresson films that we saw. It was definitely my favorite. Oh, yeah, same. That same. scene. That scene is so cringy. I can't get it out of but my head. That that is the crux of the story, though. That is that is where she becomes a woman in in her mind, and she well, she essentially gets raped. We had such a great conversation about this film, though. YouTube.com slash Dead Cinema Society. Yeah, I highly you recommend You got to go back and listen to that and, one. And Night Porter as well. Both of these were great conversations. Yeah, same. Um, Moving on. La Star. Fellini. Fellini. Chris's least favorite director. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not trying to say that. I, I think he is definitely overrated. Yeah, I disagree with you there. That was I think I, I think he's a very good cinematographer, but his actors are terrible, and that's intentional because he wasn't he was using people who weren't actors. I can concede in the acting department a bit, but as yeah. far as as far as uh, exp- asking difficult questions, exploring ideas, and cinematically uh, telling a story, he is an absolute master. I, I cannot. I cannot agree with you about that. Well, maybe my opinion will change if if we watch uh, eight, and eight and a half. Yeah, I don't think it will. I really don't. I don't know because don't because know. of based off based off of how you reacted to La Dolce Vita, I do not think you're gonna like eight and a half. Because it's just it's, so boring, though. Um, okay, so so La Strada, me and Paul eight six, and and you and Aaron kind of low sevens. Yeah, I didn't care for it. It was okay, our it was on. our it was our second show, you know. So, oh, Ooh. Yeah, this this movie. This is oh, this another is one movie. Yoshi and I watched together. I would increase yep. my ranking on this. Same. I, I think this one stuck with me, and I was yep. thinking. About I think it. I would even increase my ranking from eight five. I think this is a high eights for me. Yeah. This is high eights for me. Same. Yep. yep. Blessed yeah, be the man great. who sits. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and the reason being is that this is a hard film to watch because it's barely a film. It's more like a bunch of pictures. And so it's a bit difficult to digest. But clearly, we're unified in saying that this film is a borderline masterpiece. So yeah. it needs a second viewing. You know what I would really want to see? A, a, a museum piece like this. So you walk in and it's the scene ah. and it's like actors doing the scene every time and every, you know, whatever two minutes or so they redo the scene again. 
And so you get you go through this experience of like going through kind of vignettes of what this film was would be. That's a great concept, like almost like the experience of going to an escape room with your family, yeah. but instead it's like a virtual tour of a movie. Yeah, like a, a live movie that mm-hmm. is sick. Let's fucking do that. Dead Cinema Society live. <laughs> you put on performances. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. I next. look like fucking Shay Guevara. <laughs> <laughs> fucking, I'm ready to fucking take over the South, bro. Oh, Let's go. Boy. Speaking of taking Marxism, Marxism, Marxism. Cuba. Anyway. A oh, a woman under influence. Well, oh, I spoke earlier great. about how I believe I rank this too low. I think this is also a high eights, maybe an eight six or something. Mm-hmm. I think Paul Paul nailed it right there. It's so Aaron, long. Though. Aaron, yeah, it was long. Yeah, this one was a rough, uh, rough viewing. It was kind of like viewing something that you feel like you shouldn't be viewing. Yes, um, you know what? Yes, like. You know what it was like? It was like being in eternal. Uh, it was like being home for the holidays forever. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was no, like too much personal shit. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. Just everyone's problems coming up, and like you can't even step outside to go to the grocery store. You just got to be inside, like a quarantine. Like ah, ah. Lockdown with yeah. John Cassavetes. Yeah. <laughs> and, and again, though, this is an, a great example of a movie that is uncomfortable to view, but it sticks with you. It's dynamic. It grows on mm-hmm. you. Yep. It, yeah. It is. It psychology. appears in other movies. Uh, and we'll get to that. But that was <laughs> what a what a treat that was for us. Yeah. When it showed up in a in a later film. I don't know how that's so high, to be honest. Oh, it was enjoyable. Speaking of things that are too high, La Dolce Vita. La Dolce Vita. Well, I guess that was. Oh, Aaron liked it. Eight point three. Yeah, I enjoyed it. That that uh, little water waterfall. Yeah, Yeah. the the shrine of Poseidon. Yeah, I think an eight point nine is a bit high. I'll admit. Um, I think that I. I think that I was blown away by the that by what he was chasing, what Fellini was chasing in this, but I do believe it's a high eights. Um, we had a great discussion on this one. We, we did. did, right? We had it a went really deep. Good one. It went deep. Yeah. Not yeah. a surface level, you know, sixties film. This is, I mean, as deep as you get with themes. Mm-hmm. Was it actualized? You know, I don't know. Maybe not in a master level, but it sure had it there. It was great. Yeah, that's a good point. We, there was just just that whole schema of opening a film and closing a film with the same images is 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 very interesting. Yeah, well thought out. Love tour. How did yeah, this see, go high? Yeah, that was a bit high. Paul. That was a bit high because of Paul. Get it, me. Paul. But Paul well, loved it. He genuinely loved it. it. I, I genuinely love this really, movie. I remember you absolutely yeah. loving this. I and did. it's the same year as La Dolce. Yeah. And there was That's just so a, funny that they both got an 8.1 and and they were made the same year with the same subject matter. And in yeah. Italy. And in the same country. Same year, same country, same subject matter. And they received the same score on Dead Cinema. Same 50%. 
They're a part of the same pizza pie. That is fascinating, Aaron. That is crazy. Yeah, they feel like similar similar feels to them, but I I personally think... So, Chris, scroll down a little bit. I want to see everybody's personal rankings for these two. Okay. So, so Yosh and Aaron uh, liked Fellini's uh, attempt more, and Paul and Chris liked uh, Antonioni's attempt more. Yeah, it was great. I love this. The Very slow burn. Sad. Just, I was ready to hate this movie, and I just could not stop watching it. This is a movie I'd watch again and again. And Claudia wow. rests. Oh so, yeah, Claudia. and she's been a part of you ever since. Yes, she has. Claudia. Mm. Yeah, she's beautiful. I, um, yeah, I don't know. This, this, it, it's just. I think if we were to explore personal preferences, these two films would be a great place to start as far as what makes us for tick because Mm -hmm. they're exploring the same ideas. And so this is a great opportunity for us to see what specifics make us feel, uh, you know, relation to what is being trying to be told. Chris, what was your score for La Dolce Vita? 7.3. So yeah, Chris is Chris is kind of like fuck these Italians. Let's move on. I don't <laughs> like it. I don't like it's it. It's a bullshit. It's a mini pizza. Pizza. Mini pizza. Oh, yes. being John Malkovich. Spice. Yeah, and this one I've gone back. I've reviewed this one would be higher. Uh, this, this is this, this for is me solid is eight. An incredible, eight. incredible piece of comedy. Incredible. Yeah, yeah this is mid eights for sure. Yeah, yeah I wouldn't even say it's a comedy. It, it's 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 just a it's a microcosm of like being. Like yeah. it, you know, it, it Chris, tackles you, you like. Can attest uh, that scene where uh, John Malkovich is every character in the scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. How hard did I laugh? We had to stop the movie. <laughs> I was crying. Yeah. Crying. Uh, I love that movie so much. Yeah. That's that the that was on the same level for me as the court jester as far as like just like feeling so good at the end of a movie. Yeah, that one's great. And then Paul, I just like I I like well, if I was to, but, if but I the, was, the I direction was are you gonna go back and review it, which I did, and I said I I remember kind of liking it the very first time when it came out in 99, and I think there was a little bit of prejudgment. Um, I really opened my mind. Uh, this one would be ranked much higher. Don't worry, Paul. You totally had your uh, redemption when I'm thinking of ending things came to Yeah. Because yeah. my whole preconception was that you specifically are a perfect candidate for Charlie Kaufman material. Um, I just felt like you related to his quirkiness and his, yeah. you know, uh, I just felt like you would be, you know, and, and then, so I was just shocked when this movie came to our show and you didn't like it, but you know, like you said, you, you lived with it, changed it a little bit, but I'm thinking of ending things was way more in your, in yeah. your, as we'll see is way yeah. more in your wheelhouse. Yep. I think I just broke my chair. Speaking of wheelhouses. Oh, <sighs> Um, I will fight you to the death that this should not have gotten below a seven. Oh man. It was so entertaining. So good. I think that it deserves a seven. I think it does. Yeah. Uh, Masterpiece. No way. I can't say that. I I'll, I'll I'll bring it down to a nine, but it's still at a nine for me. Okay. Still at a nine. 
Yeah, I mean, I think people should take a look at this, especially if you're into the westerns. It's essential, you know. Yeah, that's a, a good. Sorry, I didn't mean to step on you. Yeah, no, no, it's good. You know, it's definitely a western that you should view. Uh, there are other westerns that we may or may not get to at some point. A bit more philosophical for a show like ours. Uh, westerns like Ombre, based on an Elmore Leonard movie, Ride the High Country, directed by Sam Peckinpah, mm-hmm. that would, I think, spark some discussion. They yeah. have... Um, Let's uh, get some Clint Eastwood. little story in them, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. Once, yeah, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, way better. And um, the reason why it doesn't get much more than 6.9 for me is because this movie felt like it was going to be a masterpiece. And then ever so slowly just went... And why is Italy doing Once Upon a Time in the West? Spaghetti Westerns. Well, Spaghetti Westerns. It was, uh, you know, money. But that's our story. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's why it it flops. Like, they're telling our story. Yeah, but what was interesting about the, you know, the reason why it works sometimes, like it does in, in The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, is because that meeting of like the vibe of the Godfather and the vibe of a Western film is pretty interesting. And they actually have some similarities. Mm. Mm. Next. Ooh, speaking of similarities, this one. Yeah. Yeah. This, this is a, we had a great conversation about this. movie. This movie really impacted me. Um, I would see it again. It's a, it's a marathon, but my God, this is, Three hours. It's it, it is a weekend film. You Was watch it three it, hours you, or four hours? It's four, four hours. Four, four hours. hours. Yikes! But does yeah. it get? I mean, it's just you get the full sense. I mean, the full circle. You get so philosophical. You get so yeah. deep into the Taiwan Chinese history. I mean, it's it has to be four hours. You know, like yeah. it, I think we I think we nailed it on the head. Eight point two sounds just about right to me. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was it was a good film. It was a good film. Yeah. Ooh. Oof. Nine. See, Chris pulled an Akira on me on this one. That Chris fucked Ingmar. Whoa, Ingmar. that's not right. <laughs> we'll, have to, we'll, have to, we'll have to fix that. Let me let me get with uh, let me get with uh, quality control. <laughs> quality control. <laughs> quality. This is uh, oh, this man. is who this is. Uh, is yeah. I'm right behind. Oh no, uh, Francois Truffaut. Tr- uh, Francois Truffaut. Truffaut. Yeah. Francois Truffaut. France, not Sweden. Um, yeah, we'll get it all. We'll so everybody liked this movie except for Chris. Yeah, I just I yeah. couldn't get into it, man. Oh. This was from our first show. I think this is one of our best discussions we've ever had. Uh, yeah. Regardless, it is, man, it's about the kids. It's about the kids. About Every the film kids. we've seen that talks about children i always have this film locked into like my base foundation of something i relate it to like this is about the children and like any film that touches on you know oppression of children or uh, abuse of children i think of this film and it's just like man this one stands alone like yeah you nailed it nailed it on the head this is this is the film about um the sequential uh the sequential suffocation of the innocence and purity of children look at that look at that poster that that poster says everything he's caged you know like 
Yeah, so far I would say of all the films we just reviewed, or you know, not reviewed, but remembered, this one is like the one to watch for me. I mean, wow, this movie. Yeah, was- I would give it a higher ranking, to be honest, if I could go back. I don't think I fully appreciated what this was. Yeah, I uh, keep my ranking. Yeah. yeah. Oh, also, by the way, it says Sweden. This is France. Yep. No, it's oh, all. You can it's refresh right yeah. about now. You I'm just going to, we're going to just move on Keep going. to Ooh. the circus. Wow. I'm surprised the circus got this low. No, I think, it, I think that's about right. Nah. <laughs> I think that's about right. I think that this is a great film, but it's not Chaplin's best work. I think it's, uh, it's, it's like, uh, you know, entry level Chaplin. I know yeah, that. Which it was for me. This was my first chaplain, so maybe that's why it hit me so hard. But yeah. that that actually chaplains. explains it. That explains it. Yeah. All the chaplains to me have been masterpieces. I think so far yeah. in the show. So this just hits a nine. I love this movie. Took me on a ride. It really transports you. Yeah, I mean, one. yeah, like I said, the show I watched on a plane, and it it transcends language. It transcends like a lot of things. But let's move on. Hundred years ago, Rosemary's Baby. What do you guys? It's very ironic that the two films that Aaron had to catch up on both dealt with similar themes yeah. of mm-hmm. of yeah. of what of like you know. Well, Aaron, go ahead. Of what? Uh, like the children, man. The children. <laughs> yeah. Just like this, this, uh, oh, this, this uh, evil look at what is possible in the world, you know. Which and is Aaron's least favorite type of movie, and he has this his- and rape. I'm, I'm good, man. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I'm sure a lot of people can agree with me. They're hard. Okay, subjects. let's play a little game, Chris, Paul, myself. Let's all guess where Aaron put this film, and then he will reveal it. So, whoever wants to go first. from Paul, 7-2 from Chris. I'm going to go with a 7-8. Well, yeah. You know what's interesting? Because I never looked at this ranking either, and it's getting an 8.2. No! I was closest with us going over. Closest. Yeah. Both of your rankings were within one point. Wow. Yeah, I, I did not plan that. I literally wrote these down right before the show started. And I was like, you know what? This is where I think both of these go. And they're literally where you guys put them. I had no idea. Let's find out if that's going to change the ranking. 8.2. Should stay right. Should stay put. Um, yeah. Subject matter is hard for me to get oh, over. I mean, shit. I fucked that up. <laughs> Hold on. No, it's all good. Yeah, so 17, subject 40, matter, 40. difficult. Um, 33.3. What'd you rate? 8.2? 8.2. Divided by four. It stays exactly the same. Wow. That both. is amazing. <laughs> it is an 8.3. That is That's pretty bananas. Wild. That's great. Wow. Neither of the films were affected. Wow. That's fine. Hey, it works. Um, um, so, Aaron, um, 
Yeah. Rosemary's Baby, what was your experience watching this film? I know you already touched on that the subject matter is not your favorite, but beyond that, favorite. what was your experience? You know, I was talking to Yash about this a little earlier, um, texting him even. And, uh, you know, th- I couldn't help but feel like this film, this film felt like a documentary. And uh, as bone chilling as that is, because of anybody that knows the subject matter of this, it, it just, it feels too real. You know, there's just a deep level of evil to this film. And, it, and it's hard, it's hard to, f- to sit through. I, I'm sure a lot of people, when they sit through it, they're like, oh man, this is crazy. This can't be real. It's just, you can't help but feel some, some sort of truth to it. And it's, it's uh, bone chilling, you know? And there's some deep themes and, things that have happened to these directors and people involved, you know, it's just, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's be it's beyond surreal. The amount of real things that have come related to this film. It's, it's like unimaginable yeah. in 1968, you know, people are watching this film thinking, Oh man, this is grotesque. How could this ever, who thought of this? This is just wild fantasy fiction. Can I blah, just blah, say blah. Yeah. 1968, Rosemary's Baby, 2001 Space Odyssey, Planet of the Apes, the original. Whoa. Can you imagine those three movies coming out right now? Like, have we lost quality? Because that's quality film. Three, those three films in the theaters at once, forget about it. Those are yeah, three amazing Your mind films. would have just been gone. Like, everybody in the theaters would be like, what's happening this year? Like wh- what well, was happening? 1968 Woodstock. Yeah. Woodstock? The, mm-hmm. Wow. The, the oh. hardest and most deadly battles of the Vietnam War. Really? Uh, Ted offensive. Ted offensive. January 1968. Yeah. There, there's a great documentary on CNN about just 1968 as a year. Mm-hmm. This well, fantastic. Year. Seems like quite the fucking year, man. But yeah. yeah. This movie, I feel like uh, I wouldn't change my ranking at all. I think it's a borderline masterpiece. I think it's absolute masterclass filmmaking. Uh, Polanski is one of my favorite directors. Um, I didn't like any horror films until I discovered Roman Polanski. I think that he um, owns this genre, the true version of this genre, which is not you know, introducing surreal elements uh unimaginable elements yeah uh, slasher zombies you know, and like, like he keeps things within within reality and he allows you to determine whether or not rosemary is crazy or the people around her are crazy it could be either one he's he's he is the master of tension like i said in episode one of dead cinema society i think that he is one of the greatest directors of all time and um some of the shots in this movie blow my mind every time i watch this film yeah so not yeah i mean it's a it's a a very powerful piece and uh i mean yeah i think people should view it if you want a little look into um you know what aaron, you know aaron's point is not is not to be glossed over it's like polanski you know whether regardless of which side of the coin he falls on personally i don't know but uh he clearly is exposing a a true horror that is absolutely a reality within this world. Like this stuff happens, uh, whether or not you want to believe it. And that is what's so scary about this type of film. And that's the true horror, you know, is the truth behind the horror. 
And we'll move on. <laughs> oh, oh, God. Man. Perfect oh, boy. <laughs> I'm going to go grab a beer, you guys. <laughs> That's what I, I figured. I'm going to do that, too. <laughs> yeah, you guys go grab a beer. Me anyway, let me just hug me Yoshi. And once yeah. again, it's so great to have Me and Paul will have an orgy over our beer. Totally. Yeah. This, this will never get old for me, this movie. Same. Um. It's illuminating for in so many ways. Just uh, the way I don't even. I'm just speechless. It's uh, I'm so I was so delighted you enjoyed this movie. This was one of those I thought, oh, throw it in the hopper and see what they think. And uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Bergman, of course, has become, you know, before the show and during the show. Uh, my favorite director um he's currently my favorite director if i had to pick one yeah you know of course there's it's interchangeable interchangeable to a degree i th- you know i throw tarkovsky in there sometimes and and paul thomas anderson as well but um bergman seems to have a grasp on the poetic language of storytelling that many few have um and the virgin spring for me was a opportunity for me to expand my uh, capacity to endure a film that asked difficult questions. Yeah. And uh, our conversation on it was one of my favorites. Yeah. That we've had. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know what's interesting is uh, seeing these two films lined up hugging each yeah. other in the ranking yeah. it yeah. makes me realize that the both of these films share a similar quality quality to them where i respect the filmmaking on such a high level you know with storytelling mm-hmm. and with how they're shot and an incredible use of fluidity and keeping you engaged but the thing that bothers me in both films is this like this this core underlying like truth connection where I can't help but feel some deep deep level of truth in the Virgin Spring almost like I'm watching something that really happened like a documentary Rosemary's Baby I can't help but feeling that line of truth through Rosemary's Baby and they're so deeply disturbing and so deeply evil that it it, it really messes with my mind when I try to give a ranking to these films because mm-hmm. they are transporting you in such an incredible way but to such an evil truth almost in a you know it says it's fictional but is it you know that's what i'll put out there yeah well uh, you lost me with that last sentence before that I, I i could agree with you it's like yeah it's it's uh it's disturbing but this is where you and i always clash when it comes yeah. to the show which is that you would rather turn to the wall be the wall <laughs> For me, sound um, for me, there's nothing wrong with looking at the disturbances of life. That's part of the exploration of art. We should explore these things, and um, we'll be the better for it because death is a reality that all four of us will have to face. Our families will die, and we will die, and those are disturbing things. But the more we get accustomed to facing these harsh realities, the better we will be for it the better our souls will be re- ready to 
to to voyage into our next journeys because this is reality. But you can hollow out a place for that in a negative, evil way, or you can create a loving place for death where you realize that this is not the end of a journey and that you are moving on in a positive way. These movies are depicting a very evil reality. And that's yeah, what but that talking. is our reality. We that's live not in my a- reality, though. I yeah, don't well, yeah, well, you reality. will. Hopefully you don't get raped, Aaron, because yeah. then it will be. Of course. And it will be. But I'm this saying some I, people's realities. Yes, I realize that. That's but my I'm, point. So no. shouldn't we be looking at all of reality as one huge scope and so that we can have better understand what life, you know, what this life is? That's what these directors are exploring. They're trying to explore these difficult, difficult, difficult realities. Yes, I agree. But energetically, these are portals into negative realities. And I personally don't like to let my energetic level go to these realities. So, yes, I put myself through this because I enjoy the show. But I personally don't want to watch The Virgin Spring because it brings my energetic level into a negative space, which I don't enjoy. Nor do I. But my argument has always been that it's not about me. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, I think this film can affect people in in individualistic ways. Um, But my personal take is it's so truthful that it is hard to view. And that's why this show is the best show of all time. Because still, seven months later, we still disagree. And we're still (laughs) making the same points. So that's why this show is awesome. Move on, Chris. My only comment is I I thought this movie could have been more brutal. Yeah, it wasn't that bad, right, Chris? Exactly. Anyway... The Wages of Fear. Talk about holy Great fuck. fucking movie. Oh, my Great God. The ticking time bomb of all. Oh, my God. Bombs. Paul, I love you for this movie. Yeah. Uh, Paul, were you surprised by anyone's rankings? I I think I'm trying to think what this was ranked with. So the other movies around this. It was probably our first a little three. Bit, probably a little bit. Again, you know, you make a recommendation and you don't know how it's going to be received. I've probably seen this movie five or six times. Um, it still holds up for me. I was delighted you guys were on board. And I was delighted by just, I think you each brought something very singular to your review. Um, and I, But it was great when we unanimously looked at that stunt. And we were all like, wow, you know, just with the truck. And the bridge and uh, yeah, that was uh, the one-shot take. Better get it right. Um, again, this was a this is a movie. I want to know what was happening behind the scenes. I want that book. Maybe there is one. Fascinating. I just want to put in context for 1953. I, I maybe you guys can help me remember a few of the films we've already talked about from the from the early 50s. But for 1953, this felt like something that was just a way ahead of its time as far as storytelling goes right because i i guess the closest in year is stalag 17 which i believe was 53 but again that was an adaptation of a play framed built directed as a play for the big screen 
so it doesn't you know, really a couple work of set pieces doesn't really work here uh we have practical sets we are outdoors um you know if, if you wanted to be critical i guess people would say well you know the backdrop of the alps doesn't really duplicate south america or whatever you know wherever they wherever it was shot in europe but uh well i wonder if polanski was a fan of this film as far as building tension goes yeah mm -hmm. let's go let's move on yeah i would give it a higher higher than an eight. Oh man speaking of controversy, controversy. Yeah, this was one of our most controversial conversations we've had i guess um Sevens versus nines. Which totally surprised me. I went into this conversation thinking all four of us would give it a masterpiece. I got to be honest. I really did. Mm -hmm. And this is one Same. where I've gone back and I've certainly revisited my score and watched at least half the movie. And I said, yeah, you were so right about this, uh, Yoshi, uh, for the benefit of our audience, uh, where in review, live, we you kind of just pointed out how everything slowed down, sped up for the craziness. This is so topical. Uh, I actually, this movie now is in my subconscious. When I go out for a morning walk and I'm reflective, I think about <laughs> the fact that somebody right now is typing a future bestseller that is going to take all of us back to a day where we had phones in a bag that we carried around and, and plugged into our cigarette lighters. We're going to start writing letters to friends. I have people who are doing this already because they literally want to unplug from a world that just dominates their life technologically, and uh, they they they're just trying to normalize things to a way they the way things once were. Even like if it was ten years ago, whatever pre Facebook or pre whatever, uh, you know, um, whatever thing is sucking their time right now. You were spot on. I, I, I think you can even see it on my face. If we go back and, and watch this episode, I'm like, I went, oh, yeah, I missed something really elemental here. And I was lost in some sort of, you know, black-white thing that was uh, really missed the mark. Um, you were right on. And this one, that really colored the way, because this was fairly early on, I think, for us. And it really helped uh, me... Uh, really start to look at how I'm looking at movies. Well, I appreciate your con concession there, but I also, you know, can uh, understand, you know, and I know what Aaron's thinking right now, is I can understand uh, if you didn't laugh, then I don't know how you enjoy this film. Yeah, I personally not having laughed. a good time. I laughed the yeah. whole time. <laughs> yeah. So if you didn't laugh, I don't know how you, I don't know how you enjoy it. Yeah, I it, think I was, you were, spot on with the theme element the thematic elements you were very concise and on point and i went oh, okay yeah i missed that so for me that just moves it i don't think i laughed throughout the movie so it's not gonna it's not gonna teeter on a it's not gonna yeah. you know get up close to a nine but it, it might uh, just on thematic element alone how topical it is how you have been very good about putting either either putting a movie in front of us that is related to where we are in our society today or driving the discussion towards something that relates to our society today. And I think Gods Must Be Crazy could definitely be directed to our society today. I Absolutely. miss some of the just basic thematic elements. You know, it might be like a seven, nine, eight, but I think the eight, four is very fair for me. Well, I think Aaron? Josh and I, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Josh and I talked about this on the episode, which is, this film needed to be about the beginning of the story. Yeah, like, yeah. and 
if it took that direction, this would have been close to the nines for me because I was like, oh, I love where this is going. Then it took all these kind of Hollywood side routes and I was just like, oh, and I know Josh sees it as like, that is the comedy. But for me, I was just cringing. So I missed the comedy. It didn't hit me. Chris? Uh, on this film, the only thing I'll have to say is that I, I think this is a perfect example of like a, as, as we said in the episode, a like shining the light on the idiocy of the modern world. And that uh, I cannot remember for the life of me, his name, uh, I think it was, it was ZI, but it was pronounced something else. Um, but uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was a hilarious, I, I literally remember hearing through two walls, my door was shut with headphones on Yoshi laughing his ass off. Like that's, and then like I, I watched it and I did the exact same thing. I was laughing my ass off the entire time with this movie. Yeah. I will pivot for a second because we are in our slight delay on the, on the broadcast. We have two comments. Okay. Uh, most of these directors are doing rituals in plain sight for all of us dummies to love it in energy. And the second comment is... Wait, wait, hold on, hold on. You cannot just <laughs> sure. yeah, you say that again. Over that comment. <laughs> say that again? Most of these directors are doing rituals in plain sight for all of us dummies to glove it energy. I don't know what that means. Who to said glove. that? Uh, that is from Ola someone. I don't know. Yeah, well, yeah. It's from Sicily. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, I don't second, get it. Sicily. I don't. I don't get it either, Cecily. <laughs> Most uh, of these directors are doing rituals for us dummies. Yeah, I think. I think not. But go you. ahead, Chris. Uh, the second comment is from one Azucena, who says, <laughs> "Where do we draw the line between showing cruelty and violence in fantasy and telling real stories in film? Is there a Thank difference?" Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, no, it's a good question, and that's Ooh. the one that Aaron has been bringing to the table every time we watch a, a a violent film, uh. and that's a good question. And I think she is actually talking about Train to Busan, um, because um, I that, think this is during uh, Verdant Spring, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's a it's a good question, you know. And there's been plenty of films that we've seen that have offered violence. And the question is, is does the message um, that the director is investigating, is it worthy of the violence depicted, I suppose? And my argument and my answer would be that something like The Virgin Spring is worth it because the question is deep, whereas Train to Busan is not worth it because the violence is repetitive and non-stop throughout the entire film whereas the virgin spring is about a five minute period of violence that you have to endure you know to 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 uh to overcome training well, about is an entire film of violence strangers on a train when we look at the glasses and we get the the idea that she's being strangled but we don't need to see her get strangled but we still I, see her get strangled. We just see it through a tinted I glass. Know, but it's such a powerful moment, and it doesn't make you go like, it doesn't make you feel the way those other scenes make you feel. Personally, I mean that's a personal hit. But like, I look at that, and I'm like, man, what a great way to d depict something that's been so oversaturated. When we look at Train to Busan, it's like my ways that people. My die? thoughts are avoid having 
to make a story about something so evil. But if it comes up in your story, you have to show it. That's my thoughts. I cannot, I cannot concede on this. No matter how much, and until you guys bring me a better argument, I will not concede on this because I just don't get it. You have to show the reality of the situation. Train to Busan, I agree. That doesn't make any sense to me. Grotesque. Like, it's just grotesque. It's, it's like, it's porn. It's violence porn. That doesn't make sense to me. Virgin Spring, you have five minutes of a girl getting raped because you're trying to show a point. You're trying to explore uh, this idea that she's been brought up in a castle where she doesn't understand the truth of what is outside of the castle, the monsters that lurk because she's been spoiled and not brought up on the confounds of what reality really really looks like because she hasn't seen enough Polanski films, bro. <laughs> if she has watched a couple Polanski films, she would have been weary of these rapists. She would have been smart enough to know that there's monsters lurking outside her bedroom. But she doesn't she have wasn't a TV, bro. Because the only movie she saw was Singing in the Rain, bro. <laughs> That's the only movie she saw. She lived in a castle, bro. Uh, there's another comment. In the... There's another Go comment. Go ahead, Paul. No. Uh, and I'll answer this comment first. Uh, if we're trying to tell real stories, where is the line? Where does it come? When does it become exploitive? And I will say that there is a perfect example of where the line is in a movie that came out last year. And that line is the cliff scene in Midsommar. Because that puts you in the perfect sense of, I am disturbed, but I feel the story. So you're saying that's a good way of... That is it. a good way of doing it. Yeah, absolutely. You haven't seen Midsommar? No. Dude! Oh my god. Yoshi and I saw this in a great theater, and I literally didn't talk to him for at least five minutes after the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's that's... That's the best film in the last five years, in my opinion. Yeah, got to put it on. Put it on the show. All right, we will. All right, next. Okay, well, film. thank you for the comments. Um, that was a great derailing. Yeah. So let's uh, let's move on. Let's get back oh. on the train. Yeah, this is. Oh. What a beautiful one. I would I would vote this higher. Same. Good. Good. Same. Thank you, Darren. Yes, Same. yes, yes, yes. I'd love yeah, to I, see this film again. Also, yeah. Same. Like, this is one I want to revisit. I think an eight five is fair. I keep it there. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll say this. I'm a single guy. I will show this to the person that I'm interested to gauge if they're worth my time or not. That's fair. That's fair too. Yep. Yeah. This is a great movie. I loved it. I think it's uh, an absolutely wonderful film. I think that Wim Wenders other, other film on our list uh, was better, but, um, but it's different. It's so, so different. fucking oh. different. It's yeah. so different. You got to see both. They're both essential. Yeah, yeah eight point one. I mean, this is one of the first films that we were viewing, and I don't think yeah. I had a full grasp on where I wanted films like this to be, because um, this is definitely more towards the masterpiece level. You know, with seeing the large volume of movies we've seen now, I'm like, this is an incredible movie. Yeah. If I was an actor and I wanted to like showcase my acting ability, I'd take the monologue from the phone scene and then just, just that would be. A oh one. my god! Yeah, oh my one. god, Paul! I would love to see you do that. Ah, uh, it's uh, 
Well, it's funny. I'm working on challenging monologues as you uh, suggest that. Oh, uh, get um, that one down. Yeah, yeah, that would be... Uh, we'll all rate it. You can do it for us. Perfect. Yeah. All right. Oh, my God. That actually would be good. Yeah. Did you hear, did you hear that, Yoshi? Gosh, did you hear that? No, what was that? Paul's going to be doing the uh, monologue scene of the uh, the phone scene in Paris, Texas. Oh, dude, you're perfect for that. Yeah. That'd See? Awesome. Yeah. Oh, let's yeah. move on. <laughs> we should Bro- actually all do monologues from, from one of the movies we've seen. Ooh, that'd be good. Yeah, let's do that. Let's That's do that. Um, let's do that. Uh, you know, in the next couple of shows, we'll all pick a monologue from one of the movies we've seen, and and we'll do it. We, should we make sure they're different so we don't end up like doing the same thing? I think that no. Would be Why don't we assign strange. monologues for each other? Like, if you see a character, okay, or Paul, Paul's get getting the phone scene clearly. Guy, but what would Aaron guy. like? Come here, guy. Come here, guy. <laughs> guy. Maybe maybe Yosh gets strangers on a train, but Aaron gets something from uh, the the. Uh, Aaron's got a tap Johnny dance Depp. for us. No, give me the Johnny Depp, some Johnny Depp monologue. Yeah, or something. Yeah. Whatever. You're, All right, we'll think cast. about it. We'll think, yeah, we'll, we'll think about we'll, it. We'll, we'll talk. Yeah, about we should it. cast each other in a monologue because not guarantee no one's going to have anything for me right now. Chris, we got shit for you. Oh, Not yeah. For, all yeah, right, right. Speaking Chris. of trains on the train. Oh, speaking of. <laughs> wow, man. Masterpiece. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy that this film got so high. We all loved it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we need more Hitchcock. I think we should really. Uh, the birds is in the, the birds is coming soon. Yeah. I can't wait because I, I really, I might actually take a class next semester just on Hitchcock. Yeah. We're going to literally watch like 10 or 12 Hitchcock films. Please do. And dive deep. Do you not like the birds, Paul? I saw your reaction there. Uh, well, yeah, I'll be interested. Uh, that also is a book by, uh, who is that? Is that Daphne Dumanier, who also wrote Rebecca? Um, yeah. A book worthy of, I think I've, no, I have not read that book. But yeah, I would be curious, you know. Have you seen uh, it? I Birds, yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, many times. Oh, okay. So yeah. then what would you recommend we, we watch instead? Well, that's why I'm conflicted because uh, you said you don't like Vertigo. Uh, or North by Northwest, though? North by Northwest is fun. Yeah, it's great. That's a romp. That, would be, so, that might so be a sun, Sunday staple. Yeah. Um, the James Mason monologue would be perfect for Chris. Oh, gosh. Oh. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yes. <laughs> I would, I we got to film these back. monologues though, and then air them on the show. We can't. Oh yeah, we shouldn't do them here. Ride or not, find you there. Okay, no, Strangers I'm... on a Train was great. We just watched it. This recently. coupon is expired. <laughs> this coupon is. Expired. <laughs> yes, it's exactly. But you're saying I can't buy these dozen donuts with this fifty percent off coupon. Oh, oh I made man. a terrible mistake. Nobody. Anyway, nobody Strangers on a Train. <laughs> Yeah, Strangers on a Train was great. I, I loved it. Um, you know, we talked about it so recently, so I, I feel like I'm just repeating myself. But um, yeah. just a, a great performance. I think it's uh, an 8.5 is just how much I loved Alfred Hitchcock and um, Robert Walker. Actor, uh, what's his name? Robert, Robert Walker. Walker. Robert Walker. Mm-hmm. Um, because ultimately, I think the film felt short of being a masterpiece because of uh the other actor and because of just some decisions that alfred made but great film nonetheless yeah 
highly recommend for anyone that's wanting to dive into film noir if you don't know what film noir is. Indeed. 1951. Oh. Our most that. recent film. <laughs> yeah. 9-5 from Paul. That's one of Paul's most favorite films we've seen. One of mine as well, 9-3. Yeah. Yeah. Valkyrie complying. Yeah, no, that's that's a goodie. That's a that was just a yummy movie. I was on board from the beginning. Same. Just a visual roller coaster for me. Loved it. I wanted to not get off the ride. Yeah, I mean clearly I have an affinity for this Kaufman-esque uh reality where nothing is as it seems and it's like you can basically take any do anything you want with it and you know the oddity of the parents and all of that like it was just so fun i loved uh, all yeah. of it same yeah as uh, film adaptations of books go this was really really good uh the book itself is amazing and i loved what he did with it and expanded it it was just great really, our only really 2020 good. film and it was so good that paul read the book within like three days of yeah. <laughs> Great. Hey, I'm yeah, glad man. we got some 2020 films in there. That was yeah, really we, nice. We definitely did. Or this one. Uh, <gasps> Amelie. Beautiful movie. Mm-hmm. This this came out of nowhere for me. Yeah, this one. Yeah. Definitely- Beautiful film. Um, shocked me. Again, I remember us talking about how it inspired us to be better people. Yeah. It was a nice reminder of like our shortcomings. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I encourage all of you to watch this as you get a little older um, mm. and you start to recede from Facebook and you start to realize uh, you start to maybe adopt uh, the social practices of your parents, our parents, um, start to call people. Um, yeah, really, uh, there's some there's some really beautiful moments in this movie that really help you understand friendship and relationships, relationships in general, just what they mean, how they can be defined. It's really beautiful. This is a deeply personal movie for me. Well said. We. 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 Ooh. Wings of Desire. Our very first show. Yeah. yeah. To this day, one of my favorite films I've ever Same. seen. I think I need to see this one again. This is like one yeah. of those where we were just getting into the ranking system. Yeah. I didn't really know how to place it. I had nothing to compare it to. And quite honestly, probably over my head. So I need to revisit this one, but it would probably move up in rankings. Yeah, this is, I mean, <clears throat> Vim Vendors, unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, from the start to the finish, I was just like so inspired of what cinema could be. And um, wow, I couldn't recommend this movie enough. I think that every single person should watch this film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I bumped myself up a few tenths on this one. Yeah, just for Peter Falk, it gets another ten percent for me. <laughs> yeah, I think we're getting one. close, guys. Dead, oh, man. dead man. Yeah, came out of fucking nowhere. I forgot I, how good this movie was. I, Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god. Like I, I came into this movie. Oh, this is gonna be a piece of shit. It's Johnny Depp's early work. It's gonna be like you know, Twenty One Jump Street. Holy fuck. Yeah, one of my favorite films of the the whole year with you guys. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Same. Yeah. It was it was unbelievable. Like Chris said, it was unexpected. Yeah. Um, 
which is the best way to go into a film is to have low expectations and this one exceeded all of them and there was this is one of the examples of a film where it was uh you know opposed to subjectivity as i said in my essay where i was excuse me not thinking of myself at any point i was fully along for the ride the entire time i was out of myself i was totally invested and curious as to exactly what was coming next what it all meant and um i think it was a beautiful it was beautifully tied in at the end and yeah the performances were were excellent and and um for someone who does not like johnny depp i loved johnny depp so yeah wonderful do you know my poetry inspirational yeah william blake baby let's go right here yeah (laughs) i'm in the jarmusch world (laughs) it's funny actually what we it's funny that uh you know, Paul has La Ventura, which he loved. Aaron has Dead Man, which he loved. Mm-hmm. I have Virgin Spring, which I loved. And yeah. then Chris has his least favorite director. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. It's very true. That's funny. But yeah, I mean, these all these films impacted us in some way. I remember Chris was impacted by that scene heavily. Yep. Yeah, same. So, I mean, it All says right. a lot about what we got behind us. Yeah. Getting Almost. close, guys. Swift pulling awards is coming. Hey, Lay Miz. Hey. Beautiful film. I think this yeah. breaks a nine. Yeah. Yep. I actually uh, privately raised my ranking. I think I watched it again. Yeah, I did. And uh, yeah, this is solid. Uh, this it, little- It's interesting. It was, uh, I guess, the misperception that a modern movie couldn't become... An action adventure movie. That's what it was because I said, "Oh, it's kind of action adventure thriller," but um, I think you guys summarize it very well during the episode. Just the ending, uh, you surfaced it really well, Aaron. I was like, "Ah, yeah, that it's very powerful." It this was great about the kids, man. Yeah, kids. Yeah, love this film. Another example of a film, a director concerned with the kids, concerned Mm -hmm. with the upbringing, concerned with the environment. Um, you gotta love kids. Paul. I just want to give an appreciation to Paul real quick because of the four of us, he's the one who is like, you know, when an episode ends, he's like, you know, lashing himself in the corner, <laughs> the father <laughs> of the Virgin <sighs> Spring, for not getting it right, and he goes and reads the book and watches <laughs> the film again to to get it right. Yeah. And, um, and so you, you got to love Paul for for uh, for not being so tied to his yeah. subjective reality, but Makes willing to entertain character. other realities. Yo, you, uh, it's funny because it's. I'm thinking, oh, you can't go back and revisit it right now. I went back and revisited it, and I'm like, wow, this is really good. And then I've got your voices in my head as I'm watching it. So thank you, DCS. Yeah, I'd, like, I'd like to yeah. thank DCS and uh, Chris, Yoshi, Aaron. Thank you so yeah. much. Yeah. And also, uh, Laj Lai. We Laj are, Lee. Oh. Laj Lee. My bad. Laj Lee, we are casting you to direct our, our yeah. remake of, what is it? <laughs> Treasure, Sierra Sierra Madre. Madre. Treasure Sierra, Sierra Madre. Madre. Yes, we'll be happy to have you. Uh, oh, bring your man. drone. Bring your drone. We love the drone shots. Oh. Ooh, drone I'm, shots of like fucking mountains in South America. Oh, Ooh. Well, he could, I mean, <laughs> we got our really direct. Killer. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hollywood needs to let us take over, guys. We know what we're talking about. Yeah. We've watched Ooh. 52 movies. <laughs> One <laughs> movie for every week. 
All hey, right. that's true. One movie for every week. That's actually yeah. pretty God. wild. That's, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. All shit. right. City Lights. Yeah, wow. This is our this first cross-the-board masterpiece. Like cross-the-board. I remember that one. Wow. Our first masterpiece, City Lights, a chaplet. Can we just all just say that our first masterpiece on our list is from 1931? Yes. Hat off to Chaplin. Yeah. Time is not real, boys. Time, Time is an illusion. All four of us give it a masterpiece. Basically, yeah. we all ranked it the same fucking thing. Yeah. Charlie Chaplin, you are unbelievable. You are yeah. unbelievable. And Love everyone it. that's getting into cinema, if you have not seen Chaplin, like do yourself a favor and throw it on tonight. Throw it on with the family during Christmas. Like you will not be disappointed. If Chaplin could see that four guys uh eighty no, seventy years later, uh were ranking his film a masterpiece above all these other films we just talked about. Yeah. Like, that is unbelievable. It's ni- it's 90 years later. Wow. It's crazy. 90 years later, 1931, yeah. it says. With a 91. Yeah. We're, we're in 2020. I was going to 2000. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, my God. 90 years later? Yeah. Oh, 91. Yeah. All right. Wow. Love it. Cry. Oh, my God. You don't know now you know, Sweden. Wow. Wow wow we this movie. Yeah. Sweden yeah. kills it, guys. I, yeah. I don't know if you've noticed, but Sweden is like yeah. eight or higher. There yeah. are no bombs in Sweden. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, Sweden definitely kills it. And I think this might be my r- highest ranked film. No. Oh no, oh no. Because no, the next one goes higher. Next one goes higher. Well, yeah. I, I do believe this is one of the greatest films ever made. Mm-hmm. Um, our rankings clearly show that. Yeah. Um, Ingmar Bergman at his finest. Um, I'm I'm interested to see uh, how you guys fare with other Bergman films that I have in mind, like Fanny and Alexander. Are we doing um, Seven Seal? It's not in the, in the pipe, but eventually Ooh. I hope to. I hope yeah. to. Yeah. Um, actually, the next one in the pipe is Winter Winter Light. Or okay, what, what I fuck called? with that. Yeah, winter, yeah, yeah. Winter Light, which yeah, I have not seen. That's the kind of the 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 part of the show that is is weird. Is like you know I've seen Seventh Seal, I've seen Fanny and Alexander, which both are masterpieces in my mind, but I haven't seen Winter Light, so I want to bring that to the show. Um, back to the cries and whispers. Uh, let's just all briefly, since you know this is our co. This is our second best film. Let's just briefly, all quickly, just say, uh, you know, what this film did to us, starting with Aaron. Um, this movie will test your soul. It will uh, just create a a complete world of uh, of knowing what comes at the end, you know, and what the end could look like, and uh, spiritually. <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to make words. Well, you know what? Let me help you out because it's interesting because you you have to be honest. You have uh, had trouble with films that deal with such heavy subject matter in the past. But this might be the bar. This might be the example of how you, Aaron, would say that a master handles such a grotesque and final subject matter because 
this didn't bother you. You gave it a 9.0. Right. And and there's scenes in this movie that do bother me, but I can't, I can't lower it. I can't can't lower that. Yeah. I mean, uh, for me, a lot of the nine comes from the, the aptitude of the camera work. I mean, the, the way they frame scenes. I mean, it's some of the most gorgeous photography I've ever seen um, color wise and the way things move. And, um, you know, there are some scenes in this film that I'd like to forget, but it, it, it doesn't take away from the, the master level and, you know, dealing with that difficult subject of death and, um, you know, that, <laughs> that, that one scene I could forget. We all know the scene I'm talking about. If you remove that scene, I still think it's an incredible movie. Josh might disagree, but, you know, I don't know if we want to go there. Well, I mean, if you were, if you remove, you're talking about the scene where she cuts her clit with glass. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't think that the movie needs it, but I don't think that it suffers from it either. To me, that grotesque uh, scene, like it didn't give me anything. In fact, it made me want to mark the movie down because I was like, wow, this is such a beautiful story. Like that really didn't add anything for me, but that's just a personal viewer option or it totally adds a lot. And this is why, okay. Because it, it, it helps us to get into the mental um, state of the character, which is that she is so far gone that she is ready to manipulate her biological design. She is ready to, she is ready to eliminate the ability to feel pleasure. Yeah. Like this is, this is deep as fuck, dude. Right. Like she's really, she is willing to cut herself off from the pleasures of the world. Like this is heavy. And, and, yeah. and that's why it adds a lot. It is heavy. Yeah. I, I would just uh, challenge if I was in the writing room, I would challenge the, uh, the direction of this. And, and say, then Ingmar Bergman would say, who the fuck are you? Get the fuck in the back. Who the fuck are you? <laughs> this guy with the long hair. <laughs> I'm Ingmar Bergman. Fuck you. We will cut vagina if we want okay, to cut Paul, vagina. Paul, tell us about Cries and Whispers. Yeah, no, I think you guys captured it was we're having a conversation and this is not, uh, I'm not condemning the points made. It's just, and you touched on it very, very well, Yoshi, which is, look, we... We've had someone text in uh, our chat about, you know, how far can you go with violence? Uh, And then uh, depending on whether it's uh, visually explicit or visually implicit, uh, you explored that with Aaron, which I like because that was that's where my head started nodding because I just needed to hear from Aaron like where he was with because our society today, the only time I hear about a clitorectomy is it's a tribe in Africa warring with another tribe in Africa, and that's the only time I hear about it. It seems localized geographically over there. It's not as universal as uh, maybe rape is when it's certainly portrayed in a movie um, gratuitously or or not. But the fact that you, you, Yoshi, and Aaron had that conversation because, yes... That to me was, I thought, so essential, so deeply moving. I thought how he captured this 
aching pain and sorrow and oh my I can't even think of all the words of the of these sisters and what they have endured during a lifetime it's it's almost like I can't I think you even brought up Yoshi I can't even go back and watch them I like have to give myself a break before I go watch watch the movie again it's so powerful it's beyond powerful Chris I'm gonna, I'm gonna give some to behind the scenes stuff uh, Yoshi and I watched this get together and it was our first Criterion movie together. Uh, we watched it on my my big fuck off TV in our living room. Uh, the Criterion channel had it in Ultra HD. We sat together and didn't say the entire word until the end. And Yoshi said, hey, do you want to watch this behind the scenes thing? And I said, hmm. yes. And then we didn't speak to each other for like a day. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> That's how, like, we didn't talk about this movie until he went to the show. Wow. It was that impactful and that, like, we literally just, like, I stood up, made myself food, and then went to bed. <laughs> like, that was it. It, it, was, it was an effective movie that, like, I, I, like I said in my essay, like, it, it, it punches you right in the soul. Yeah, and, and that's why I chose to, the only film that I... Um, referenced in my essay was this film yeah um and there's a reason for that is because i think that ingmar bergman is chasing quality um more than many of his peers and uh i think that the sacrifice that you have to make to chase such quality is a painful one and i think that whatever life ingmar bergman has lived has allowed him to um, reach such um, desperate and um, private levels of uh, 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 revealment that that has allowed him to make movies such as this one. So, yeah. So all I have to say is that Cries and Whispers um, changed my entire being. I mean, like watching this film was so painful and yet simultaneously so rewarding that I suddenly understood that um, making art isn't, you know, necessarily. I mean, we watched this film before we changed our name to Dead Cinema Society. We watched this film when we were Cinemania or, or whatever. Brigamania. Yeah. And and um and that makes sense because at that time I didn't really know what we were doing. And um this film I think helped shape this show because it helped me realize what I personally am interested in is 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 exploring difficult art which is not necessarily entertaining but makes you a better artist for partaking in its viewing and that's what this film is it's 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 really saying hey man you might be making a nice little song over there with your acoustic fucking guitar and your nice little words but hey, watch uh watch it buddy huh i said watch it buddy Oh no, I'm not talking to you. I wasn't. I didn't even think of you when I said. No, that. no, no. I know. I'm He's just talking to plain white tees with hey there, Delilah. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm literally just. 
you know, trying to make a generic reference to someone who thinks he's making art. But then you watch this film and you go, okay, well, there's there's levels to this game. There's levels to this game, and I'll, and I'll leave it at that. Let's move on to our number one film, and then we'll finally get to the award show. You um, know what it is. Hey! It's the master. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, if irony is not a placeholder for this show... Uh, well, it is. Uh, the master of our show is the master. Paul Thomas yeah. Anderson, 2012. Uh, me and Chris both gave it a 9.7. It Holy deserves shit. it, yeah. It. Yeah, it really does. 9.5 from Paul and a 9 from Aaron, which is, you know, bullshit. No, I'm just kidding. No, it's totally, <laughs> 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 totally fair. No, I mean, anything above a 9 is totally fair for this film. Yeah, this still sits at a 9.5. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, that's the thing is like Paul Thomas Anderson is alive right now and making movies and he made this movie. That's crazy. Yeah. Eight years ago. Yeah. Not almost nine. Right. But yeah, it's just incredibly inspiring. And, um, you know, there's some of the, the shots in this movie that I would put on my wall. Yeah. You know, that shot through the fields. I would, if I could print that out, put it on a canvas, I would put it in my wall right now. You know, because it is just that that high level of framing and just so beautiful, well thought out. Um, I'd love to see a behind the scenes of this. I haven't yet, but I would. Um, I believe that this is the highest ranked film for me, Chris and Paul. I believe Paul has a tie with. Um, yeah, I'm thinking of any things, but yeah. but uh, let me pose this question to you two. Do you have a film that you like more than this film? That's a tough question. That's a tough question. Um, yes. If so, we should probably watch it together. Yeah, I'm trying to yeah. think if I've got a film. Um, yeah. Oh, oh, one that we've ranked or no? No, this is like... No, no just like in general. Specifically for oh, Paul dude. and Chris, because they've ranked us so high, I'm wondering if this is all three of our favorite films as far as like uh-huh. quality goes. I, I would say that I haven't seen that film yet. Yeah. Yeah, no, I... At different stages of my life, you know, you could say, oh, what about the impact of Deer Hunter? What about the impact of... But I'm... Um, yeah, I just, I guess the reason yeah, I ask I is because I just want to call attention to PTA. I mean, yeah, what a phenomenal filmmaker this man is. I mean, this is as close to a perfect film as I've ever seen. Yeah, everyone feels essential. Uh, it's, uh, I, I, it, um, and I don't know, that might be a, might not be articulated very well, but the, the, everybody just seems essential. Everybody from whatever their role was. No, you're right. I mean, we like, touched on that with, you know, even with the music he chose. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like everything was so meticulous. Yeah. Every character and every choice feels earned. That's, that is my critique of this film. It's like, there's no, I can't like pull out one thing and be like, well, this is, this doesn't fit. This every, every character, every scene is a piece of the puzzle that just is a part of this masterpiece. And yet 
Uh, according to Aaron, Singing in the Rain is 0. 0.5 points higher than this. Yeah. <laughs> I think. I I'm think, just kidding. I'm sorry, Aaron. I had. I, I had to. If I had it, if I had to put these two films up, and I had to give a film that I think you could not go without, I think everyone has made a misstep Careful. by not seeing Singing in the Rain. Oh my God. Right. Oh. I think it's a complete <laughs> misstep. When I saw that film, it really was like. Wow, like I really missed a part of history. But to to your writing, I view Singing in the Rain as eating bees and this is honey. What? I view Singing in the Rain as eating bees and this is honey. You just don't know what you what's good yet. Oh, wow, full circle. Look at that. Nice, Chris. Yeah. Hit me wow. in the face with my huzzah, own. Huzzah. I'm drinking that bourbon. Nice, man. <laughs> That was good. My own parable yeah. used against me. What is happening? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I I still I stand by singing in the rain. I mean. Wow. Okay. I wow. think that film should be seen by everybody. You like the taste of bees, huh? I think it's a masterful, masterful piece. Boo. I would argue that your ego is getting the better of you right now, and you just cannot let yourself admit. That the master is the master. No, because I would, I would still put uh, a Chaplin above this film. Oh, that's right. You have other films above this. I have other films above this. So you know, while seeing this film and respecting it and loving it, I still don't think this is the end all, be all. And perhaps I will concede that Singing in the Rain is too high, but I do rank Singing in the Rain very highly because I don't think people appreciate it enough to stop their busy lives and go watch something so joyful and something so impactful during very difficult times, you know, like, and, and I, I, that spawns me to say, you know, I've already eaten Chris's asshole. I've already sucked Paul's dick. So now it's time. That I turn, that <laughs> it's now that it, time that I turn to your nipples, Aaron. <laughs> and here we go. Take them out because I'm going to say that Chris, Aaron is one of the most pure souls oh on boy. the earth. Mm-hmm. He love, is willing baby. to put his neck out to fight against evil and to propagate love. And that is what he thinks deserves a number one position as far as quality goes is the pure love and i appreciate that and i always have about you that's why we're best friends <laughs> but um i'm just a little bit more evil than you no it's i don't all i don't know how aaron works out because i use rage to work out and i don't know how aaron can just <laughs> smile the whole time i turn on bob ross you don't want oh, there, there you go there you go happy little trees and you know what we do here we're just gonna line this up <laughs> oh my god Aaron and I are actually very similar in our appreciation oh, God. of love and our hate for evil. We 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 Jesus. bond over that. So that wraps up that segment. It's nice to see you all big again, finally. Yeah. 